Let's go, knuckle up. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Welcome to Snapcast. All right, all right, all right. Okay, <laughs> good to be here, man. Let's do this. I'm ready. Scrapcast episode four. As always, I'm your host, Ace, with my co-host, Mr. Will. Mr. Will, how you doing? Doing good, man. How you doing? Doing good, doing good. So let's just get it right into it. UFC 281 was last weekend. Fucking amazing night of fights. Uh, let's just start at the beginning. Olberg, fucking shit up right off the bat, man. Yeah, we <clears throat> we got treated to a real real special card, I feel like. And, uh, and Carlos got it off with the bang, literally... Started off with the bang. He he knocked him the fuck out. I mean, that was that was so quick. What are we looking at? Three minutes and forty seconds into that first round, and he had him in all sorts of trouble even before the knockout. Like that was, I, I didn't see that coming. I I thought um, Nikolai was a was a prospect, and I guess I can't say that he's not just because he lost to Carlos. But yeah, what a, what a start to that card, man. Yeah, um, no, I would agree. Um, you know. Uh, Nikolai, you know, tough, durable, wrestling heavy fighter. Um, didn't really know much about uh, Olberg before, but the heavy handed striker. <laughs> and like the one thing about it was not only does his punches carry power, but he was fucking precise as shit. Mm-hmm. Like when, when he had him hurt and he was following, like on the follow through as he was going down, like all the, like every strike was hitting him mm-hmm. even as he was going down, mm-hmm. you know, that's why he was like slept for like a minute or something. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was, he was on point, man. Yeah. He, he, sh- he showed up and he got it done. Yeah. Definitely prospect of the night. Uh, after that, Montel Jackson picked up a win. thought he looked pretty good against, uh, Julio Arce. I thought Julio Arce was the favorite in there. So for him to go in there and, um, win so decisively, I think speaks a lot. Yeah. Julio Arce, he's got the experience on his side, right? We've seen him around for a long time. Um, I think he's a good fighter. I thought he was probably going to lose that fight just based on, Montel's dimensions. I mean, he's a tall guy. He's a long guy for that weight class. Uh, but Julio had his moments, you know. No, um, he did. He did. Julio made him work for it. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I had it twenty nine twenty eight. That's how I scored that fight. Yeah. Uh, next fight was Michael Trezano versus <laughs> Sang Woo Choi. I mean, you know, what's so crazy is like they didn't. Neither of these two guys got performance of the night, and like. I thought that this was probably fight of the night up until we got to like the later card. Yeah, yeah, and they should have gotten some performance bonuses. I mean, I know they only want to give out so many, but but this fight really deserved it. We almost had a double KO about 15 seconds into the fight. Would have been the first one in UFC history. Would have been the first one in UFC history, and and even after that, they took turns dropping each other I until know. Trezano finally finally finished him. Um, yeah, what a, I'm this like I said, watching this card unfold the way it was unfolding, I'm just like, boy, what a what a treat, man! I like, know, I know. If you there's a lot of times where there's the prelims and there's the early prelims, and a lot of times you may not you know be ready to commit fully to start just sitting down and watching fights at the early prelims. If you slept on this one, you missed like a whole night of fights, like a whole mm-hmm. fight night worth. You know, I mean, this was. So stacked, just crazy stacked. 
so I, I I talk to a lot of people. I'm not going to get off on a tangent here, but I talk to a lot of people where they're just like, well, I don't know if I want to watch this fight card. I don't know any of them, these guys' names, and I don't know you know who any of these people are and i'm like well that's that's your fault because because <laughs> this is where True. these people make their names i know you make your name on the early prelims by taking people out like that and by showing up and showing out and, and you're right and you know what is the difference between <clears throat> you know a uh, michael truzano versus a volkanovsky right right i mean the difference is that Volkanovski has put in the time, had those performances, mm-hmm. made the you know the most out of those. That's why he's at the top. That's why he's a champion. All those other, but I mean, he's just another fighter. Mm-hmm. So, if you want to know who the next fighter is going to be, you got to pay attention. Exactly, which is why we're talking about Carlos Olberg on the early prelims. Because guess what? There's going to be a <laughs> fight card coming up. He's going to be on the main card. None of y'all are going to know who this guy is, but you should. Yeah, don't sleep on that dude. He'll fucking put you to sleep for sure. Um, yeah, no, amazing fight. Um, yeah. Uh, then we had a female fight. Uh, Carolina getting a win over, uh, Gomez Juarez. And, Mm -hmm. um, man, I, you know, we both, I remember us talking about this fight and we're both, you know, uh, Carolina Kovacavich fans. Mm -hmm. We both were hoping she was going to win, but we both favored Gomez Juarez to win. And, uh, Carolina pulled it out, man. Yeah. <clears throat> She's been kind of on a, a skid as of late. Um, hasn't won the majority of her fights in the past. I'm not sure what the result of that was, whether it was a step up in competition or whether right. it was losing that title shot that she got. Um, but you, right, it, it wasn't looking like she was going to be on the ascension, more of like on the descension, right? Yeah. But she did. She came out. She had a great game plan. She fought smart. She fought well. And let's talk about what in the world was going on with those scorecards <laughs> at the end of that fight. Mm, that was so funny. I remember I was watching it and, you know, texting you and uh, texting some other people. And when that happened, I was like, I knew like right off the bat when they like, you know, because there was like they were trying to figure out what was going on. And <laughs> they had just cut back from like a commercial and then they were like, hold on, we don't know what's really going on. And I was like, I bet you they're trying to, you know, fix those scorecards. And then they had the judge in there trying to grab his card and ride it on the, yeah. you know, uh, edge you get, of the fence yeah. trying to fix it and stuff, you know. You get Buffer making notes on it and stuff. And you're just like, what? What is? And so, so help help me out with what the official explanation for what that was like. Um, what that was was a judge not paying attention to who was in the red corner and who was in the blue corner. Okay. So then he scored it right. and then realized after he handed his card that he had had him switched. He had Carolina. So then he went up in there. Gomez Juarez. Yeah. Okay. The, 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 the scoring, you know what I'm saying? It was going to show the opposite of what he meant to. So he went in there and then went to redo it. Now here's the thing about it. This kind of stuff happens. And usually yeah. when it happens, um, they don't ha- give like, they'll give the cards to Bruce Buffer and then he'll look at him and he'll be like, wait a minute, is that what you meant? And he'll go and ask the judge, like, is that what you meant? And then they'll be like, no. And you'll see that sometimes. And you'll see him like waiting to get inside of the octagon or the ring or whatever so that they could figure that out. Um, you know, it was a big card. So they just, you know, probably weren't paying attention to it. But my viewpoint was that regardless, you know, it happens, human error, nobody's perfect, we all make mistakes, and like I said, it's happened before, I would rather the judge in question that messed up 
get up there right before he says it because here's the thing. If he doesn't correct him, then after they read the decision, that's final. Yeah. And it takes a lot for it to get overturned after that. Right. Even if the even if the judge meant to make it a mistake, a lot right. of times the commission won't see it that way, you know? And so for him to jump in there, yeah, it's kind of, you know, goofy. And yeah, we can all laugh. But at the same time, I'd much rather, if you realize you made a mistake, get in there, fix it before it becomes official mm-hmm. so that we don't, so no, we're not, we're not sitting there looking at the card like, how the fuck do you give all three rounds to or whatever? I, I do. I, I completely agree with that. The, the the two points I feel like I need to make are, one, the, the these people are paid to do this job. I, I really feel like it's important. Not very much, but yes. Okay, well, I don't know how much they make, but either <laughs> way, I feel like it's an important part of your job to know who the fuck is who on these cards that you're judging. You're you're the judge. You're responsible for this. You're not judging every fight. They change up the judges, so the ones that you're tasked with judging, you should probably do at least a little bit of research so you know who the fuck is who That's a good in point. the ring. That's a good point. Second of all, I love the way you, you phrased how that whole situation came out because I guarantee you this happens more often than we know. Oh, yeah. And oh, the yeah. judge just doesn't want to own up to his mistake. Exactly. And so you end up with some ridiculous scoring and you're like, two judges score at 30-27 one way, one judge scores at 30-27 the other way. And you're like, how is that possible? Probably because he just didn't fucking know who was who in it, there. I mean, it can happen. Here's the thing. You're right. And I agree with you. And And... Okay, it's a state commission, so they don't get paid a lot. Because they don't get paid a lot, there's a higher likelihood of there being any kind of uh, malfeasance, if right. you will, because they're not taken care of. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, at least in boxing, what happens is you know, the commission pays the judges, but the promotion will pick who they want to judge it, and you know they'll fly the judges in, they'll put them up in a nice room, all these kinds of things. So like a bunch of perks, like the, you know, the judges that they want to score the fight. Um, so you do see that kind of stuff and I'm sure it's not very too far off in MMA. Um, but the thing, the other thing you got to think about too, is like, imagine you are a judge for 281. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I I did. No, (laughs) I, (laughs) I know, but I mean, I know, but you're there. The card is fucking crazy stacked. There's all this shit mm-hmm. going on. We always, as as fans, as the audience, we're watching the fight like everybody else is. But, I mean, it, if I was to put myself in the judge's shoes, you know, if you can't disconnect from that, you may start overthinking your own position to be like, oh, I don't want to, you know, okay. I don't want to mess up. I don't want to, mm-hmm. you know, and you start getting nervous. And next thing you know, you're, you're scoring cards. And then you get done and you turn it in and you're like, wait a minute, and you realize, like, someone had red, and you thought they were blue, and you're like, oh, shit. So, like, I'm with you 100%, especially, like, a card that's this big. You really should try to minimize, Mm -hmm. you know, the amount of error. But at the same time, we're all human, and if you're going to make a mistake, fucking do what that dude did. Get in there and fix the shit before it gets read off, because then it's like, because not only then is it weird, but then, you know, people that pay attention, when we see your name come up, we're going to be like, Oh, this is the dude that can't fucking see when he judges. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Good points. And, and there's a lot of things. You know, it's like it's like refing. Like I'm, I'm willing to give you a little bit of, of leeway. They don't they don't get to watch these fights in HD like we do. They're they're in one position, ringside, looking through the cage, floor level. They don't get to see everything that we get to see. So I, I get that it's 
probably not the ideal situation. However, yeah, you're being paid to do a job. Exactly. Let's let's try to do it right. Yeah. And refing, I think, would be even harder yeah. because then, like, you have to weigh in with all that, like, you know, getting interjecting yourself into the fight. Mm-hmm. You know, and at what point is that okay? Mm-hmm. And if you jump in too early, you get damned. If you jump in too late, you get damned. No, and so always, you're like, you're always damned. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, exactly. It's a, it's, it's a thankless job. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Yeah, it, it really if you is. do it right, nobody says shit. And then when you do something wrong, everybody says shit. <clears throat> and, and that's you couldn't have said it better. That's exactly how it is. Like the best refs. You don't remember who ref that fight. No, no, exactly. That's when they're doing their job. Yep. Um, and then uh, last fight on the prelims, um, fucking banger. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Matt yeah, Frivola. The, so I loved this fight because it was the steamroller Frivola versus <laughs> Ottman the bulldozer Azatar. <laughs> so I'm just the whole time I'm just like, we got some pieces of heavy machinery going to work tonight. Man. And it was. I mean, they fucking went full force at each other and. Um, you know, I, I hadn't noticed until, uh, a couple of days before, but Ottman was the fighter that right at the beginning of Fight Island, um, uh, maybe the first or second card in Fight Island, he got kicked out of the UFC because him and his corner tried to get somebody in or get some smuggle in a bag of something. And they said it was <laughs> potatoes. And you remember this? I don't. I didn't know this until you told me. Okay. Um, I just thought the fact that it was potatoes was fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like, well, it was like it was like you know like the, the UFC was trying to find a spot to do a fight card. Right. The, nowhere in the world was offering them a chance to really exactly. do it mm-hmm. except this Fight Island place mm-hmm. that they had to help you know get built or whatever the fuck happened. And so then they start having cards there, and it was like the first or second card, and some fighter and his team are trying to like smuggle in shit like before the weigh-ins, and and get past security, and they're like, what the fuck? And then when they get caught, they're like, well, it was potatoes. <laughs> and so yeah, and so it, it was funny, but I didn't I didn't realize until the time. But yeah, I mean, um, you know, we talked about it a little bit before, but uh, um, Azatar, you know, was. On a crazy win streak. Yeah, he was undefeated. Yeah, so for him to come in here, he just, to me, I mean, he looked like he had a lot of power. It looked like he was technically there. It just looked like he was really stiff. He wasn't very fluid with his strikes. And um, he was, like, kind of showing what he was going to do because yeah. it was all, like, real jerky mm-hmm. and really, like, you know? And so uh, Frivola. Frivola, yeah. Frivola <laughs> um, just fucking, you know, was able to catch him and put him down, so... Yeah, Ottman was winning the the footwork battle, and he had Frivola backed into the cage. And when they both started to uncork, they both, you know, that's when it turned into a brawl. Mm-hmm. And that's where Matt Frivola wins a lot of his fights is in the brawl. If Ottman could have fought smart and kept it technical, he probably would have been walking out there with the win. But as soon as he was like, I have this guy against the cage, we're going to just th- throw and bang. No, he got caught and he went down. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so then uh, we went to the prelims, and it, it's crazy because like I'm like, and then went to the, I'm thinking in my head like, and then it was the main card, but <laughs> no, it wasn't the main no, card. No. It was the fucking, <laughs> it was the under main card. Like, uh, so, um, yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, Andre Petrosky versus Wellington uh, Terman. Uh, we talked about this before. Um, I think you picked Petrosky to win. I picked. Herman was a pretty good fight. He was. And uh, he was. Petrosky, you know, really grinded out the the win there, unanimous decision. Um, you know, a lot of times when fighters who, especially in like uh, Petrosky's case, 
get a lot of decision wins, mm-hmm. um, they kind of fly under the radar. But yeah. this guy is beating like a, a bunch of a bunch of good people. He, so he has now, and Terman's another one. Yep. Terman's like again, a lot of you guys might not realize what Terman's been doing this whole time, but he's been racking up wins against big names. Yep, and. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, and Andre went in there, and it was tough. It was. It was a tough fight for Andre. It wasn't a gimme by yep. any chance. He had to dig deep, and, and and he did, and he ended up getting a, a great decision victory over Wellington Terman. Yeah, no, I, I I had him winning on my card, too, so mm-hmm. no malfeasance there. Uh, we get to the women's fight. Um, Aaron Blanchfield had her coming out <laughs> party against uh, Molly McCann. I was way wrong about this <laughs> fight. I, I put money down on Molly on this fight. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I remember when we talked. I remember when we talked about the fight. Um, we said, I remember saying, like, I really don't know much about these two. And Molly McCann kind of has a name, so I guess I'm gonna go Molly McCann. It wasn't until literally until the weigh-ins when I realized who Aaron Blanchfield was, and then I was like, "Fuck!" Like this is the chick that submitted JJ Aldridge. Gotcha. This is the chick that gotcha. you know she's just been like tearing mm-hmm. through people. And mm-hmm. so when I seen it was her, I was like, um, "I would like to switch my bet." <laughs> right. So, yeah, no, I mean, first round submission. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it, to me, back and forth on the feet. I thought Blanchfield was doing a good job on the feet. Took her down, and when she put her on the ground, I mean, it was, she was, like, cranking the arm and just, you know, I mean, it was going to fucking snap off. She was about to take that shit home. Oh, yeah. It was a whole nother world. Like, you're right. Molly was holding their own in the stand-up, but as soon as that one takedown, it was clean, she got it, and as soon as that fight went to the ground, I mean, it was it was over. And I thought Molly was good on the ground, but not. Nah, Aaron completely controlled her every step of the way. I know. I know. I'm really excited, uh, especially because it's a flyweight uh, bout. I'm really interested to see who they put Aaron against next. I think she yep. should be fast-tracked towards the title, I you know? I completely agree. Yeah, so then uh, we get to light heavyweight, uh, Dominic Reyes, trying to snap his uh, three-fight mm-hmm. losing streak, all against the biggest names in the division, mm-hmm. against Ryan Spann, and Spann just super-spanned him, you know? Went out there and fucking... Put it on him and caught him, and there was already questions. Let's be honest, there was already questions about Dominic Reyes possibly being a little chinny. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been knocked out a couple of times now, and they're pretty. Ever since that Yuri spinning elbow backwards elbow Good knockout, point. I mean, it's been fuck. It's fucking nasty. You yeah. know, that's some nasty shit. Yeah, I thought Us- he was, I thought he was dead. Yeah, exactly. Usually, fighters they always recommend that when fighters suffer those kind of knockouts that they need to take a year off. You know, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, let everything kind of rework itself out. And uh, who knows what the deal is, um, you know. Well, and he did take a decent amount of time off in between his last fight and this fight. And I did think, just for his health, that that would, that that would be a good idea. And, you know, Span has losses to Anthony Smith and yep. Johnny Walker. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I... I still, I still had hope that Dominic was going to be able to turn around. That this was his turnaround fight. I, I mean, we, I think we both thought so. Mm-hmm. You know, we both were thinking that. I was thinking that, and not only that, but Reyes was training with uh, Alex uh, Perheta, who right. was on the card. Right. Um, he was training with Glover. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to work on his ground great, game. Great camp. I mean, I was thinking like, if anything, this was going to be that, you know, that time for him to pull that around. But fucking Span was like, not today. No, no, Span has really turned into. Somebody to watch at light heavyweight. Um, again, he's one of these 
tall guy for the division. He's really long for the division. And if he can keep putting it together like that, yeah, the rest of the people at the top are going to have to watch out. Exactly. Uh, main event of the prelims, Riddell versus Moicano. We fucking called this fight. Yep. We, we fucking called it. Mm-hmm. We said Moicano, he's a fucking underdog. He's mm-hmm. a dark horse. If he fucking shows up, I mean, he could be anybody in the weight Absolutely. division. Absolutely. And if he doesn't, I mean, Riddell could very easily, you know, uh, you know, smash him, get a win, whatever. And um, fucking Moicano was there. I mean, fucking, he was all of 100% there. Mm -hmm. And just fucking took it to him, uh, took it to him on the feet, you know, took him down, submitted him. Mm -hmm. I mean, what did you think watching it? Yeah, I, like like we said, Hanato Moicano, I'm a huge fan. And, and I am a fan of Brad Riddell, too. He's a really fun fighter to watch. Exactly. I really like Brad Riddell. Yeah. But, um, yes, we said it in, in the last episode. Hanato Moicano, when he shows up at 100% and he's focused, he is one of the best lightweights in the world. I firmly believe that. His last couple of losses are a decision to Dos Anjos, mm-hmm. who's a former lightweight champ. Yeah, no slouch. And... Um, uh, Fizeya, Rafael Fizeya, uh, who's yeah. probably going to be fighting for a title here in the near future. Yeah, so no, he's he's up there. Th- these are not these are not bad losses, right? <laughs> these are losses to former and probably future champ, or at least title contenders. So, yes, he deserves to be right up there. Yeah, and he showed that last night. No, exactly. Saturday night. Yeah, no, exactly. And even more so, you could even say that maybe in you know both of those fights, if not at least one of those fights, um, he kind of like you know coasted he kind of mm-hmm. like wasn't really all there yep. you know it's just it just goes to show he's just one of those fighters you see that a lot in this sport there's some fighters that some of them some of them show up to the big game sometimes they don't but if they do it's fucking watch out time and mm-hmm. he's one of those guys um yeah getting into the main card dan hooker versus claudio <laughs> you gotta you gotta tell me about what happened here because uh <clears throat> My stream had uh, technical difficulties on this fight. Okay. And uh, Dustin Poirier, another one of those New Zealand city kickboxing fighters. Um, great striker. Good fighter to watch. But Claudio was supposed to be the up-and-comer. He was supposed to be the rising prospect. Right. And he was talking a lot of shit at the presser, too. Think, you know, it's my time. I'm doing this. And then they go out there, and Claudio's performance was embarrassing. This was somebody who didn't even want to throw a strike, was not even going to engage in a striking battle, wouldn't even clinch or go for a legitimate takedown. This is somebody that was Imanari rolling and butt scooting, trying to get his way into a knee bar. And I'm not saying he wasn't close on a couple of them, but it's one of those, like, you have to get that first or second one, and you have to get it early, or or that doesn't or that doesn't work. So... Even though he lost, which you can lose in the UFC, but he—that was just such a bad look. He looked—he looked awful. Yeah, it was funny because like, um, I wasn't even home, but I was also like having issues with my stream, and I texted—I texted you, and I'm like, "Yo, what happened?" And you're like, "Oh, you didn't miss much. I think uh, <laughs> Claudio went for like ten rolling leg locks oh, or something." Gosh. And I was just like, "In the first round?" I yeah. was like, "What the oh, yeah. fuck?" Oh yeah, no, that only—that I guess it did go into the second round, but. Yeah, yeah, I, we can wipe that one from the record. I mean, good for Dan Hooker to get back into the win column. It's yep. awesome. Yep, exactly. he, he was landing that really stinging uh, teep kick to the body. Um, but, again, Claudio wasn't offering anything, mm. you know. Mm. Uh, he just yeah. showed up, huh? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, well, um, speaking of, uh, you know, people that just show up, Frankie Edgar <laughs> versus uh, Chris Gutierrez. We uh, talked about this. It was tough to watch. It's part of the sport. Um, not every fighter, not every legend gets the Nate Diaz walk-off. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I wish that they did that more. We've talked about this for fucking years, mm-hmm. having a legends division, letting the older fighters fight the older fighters. Sometimes they do, you know? Sometimes, like, I remember... Um, you know, when uh, Randy Couture fought uh, Lyoto Machida, right? They were both already, like, seasoned vets and stuff. And even then, fucking Lyoto Machida fucking kicked Randy's teeth out of his head. Yep. Pretty sure. Yeah. But but at the same time, it was comparable with the level of damage that they've taken right. over the time. You right. know what I'm saying? You get somebody young in there like Chris uh, Gutierrez, Colorado represent, and just fucking tooled Frankie. I mean, yeah. Frankie was like on, you know, first gear, then second gear and getting trying to get into third gear and just got like hit with flying knees and just straights and was just, I mean, it was, it was nasty. It was so difficult to watch. Um, <clears throat> and, and we both have watched Frankie Edgar for years and really enjoyed watching Frankie Edgar fights. Always been a great um, competitor, uh, but it it does it's so difficult to watch him go out like that. I mean, that's the what third flying knee knockout in his past four or five fights, probably. Probably, yeah. That's I can a think rough of stretch, them, yeah. man. Like, I do. I wish, and and I know that a lot of it was Frankie's pride, and you know, hey, I'm gonna retire. I want to go out. Give me, give me somebody who's good. Give me an up and comer. When he probably should have just been like. You know, let's, hey, why don't me and Cub Swanson fight? Why yeah. don't me and, you know, one of these other guys that's maybe towards the end of his career or yeah. on the back nine, you know what I mean? Like, why aren't they fucking talk Uriah into coming and taking exactly. another fight and then having him fight? Because that's a matchup that we would have liked, exactly. you know? I mean, it's what we talked about before. I had made a joke that why didn't they fucking ask Sean Shirk to come back, you know what I mean? It was, <laughs> but, I mean, seriously, though, like, those are the opportunities. There's got to be fighters out there that, you know, aren't in just, you know, uh, complete, uh, you know, terrible physical shape. They should, you know, they're like, hey, look, Frankie's got one more fight left. Mm-hmm. You want to fight at Madison Square Garden? And they could even do a thing kind of like a, a wrestling promotion type thing where, like, you really don't know. Like, you know, Frankie's on the card, but maybe up until, like, a couple days before, and then you find out, like... I kind of like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. fucking BJ Penn or something, and oh, then it's, yeah. like, right before, and then you're oh, just yeah. like, oh, now I'm interested in it, right? even though it's kind of a Legends type thing, you know? I don't know why they don't do something like that, because, I mean, this this sucked because Frankie was in a lose-lose situation. Mm-hmm. There was nothing that he was going to be able to win out of this except leaving with a dub Mm -hmm. for whatever, you know, that would have done. Uh, Chris Gutierrez, who looked phenomenal, Um, but because he dispatched Frankie Edgar, now everybody's just kind of like, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, it killed the hype train, and you defeated a legend, but but there's the asterisk next to it. I mean, it's a fucking lose-lose, you know? And we talked about this before, and it's just like, I mean... Promotion malpractice, they got to do something better with this kind of shit. I understand that it's part of the sport where, you know, the older fighters get ate, ate up by the younger fighters and all of that. I, I mean, that's just how it goes. That's just the way of the world, okay, to some level. But at some point, especially when you're looking at a fighter as seasoned as Frankie Edgar, who has the most octagon time and, you know, has been in fucking so many wars. I mean, it's just like... What are you doing? No, you doing? no, you're you're right. That the gap between those two was was way too big. Uh, I mean, Chris Gutierrez was 
coming off like an eight fight win streak. Yeah, like, against young killers. Exactly. Yeah, and so that wasn't the that wasn't the right guy to put against Frank Edgar. And you're right. What does that do for Gutierrez? Really? I mean, not a whole lot. Yes, Frankie's a name, but anybody if anybody knows that you didn't fight a good Frankie. Yeah, you, know? huh. you fought the end. Yeah, good Frankie. You yeah. Know? I mean, seriously. So yeah, I mean, whatever. It sucks. That's my viewpoint on it, and it was sad to see it, but mm-hmm. props to Frankie Edgar, fucking legend. Yep. Uh, getting into it, Dustin Poirier versus Michael Chandler. This is where <laughs> I get to shine my fucking, my, my eyeglass. I get a fucking no, I, I, I hope big this, smile on I my face. I hope this fool a monster for that fight. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was way wrong about that. Um, <clears throat> although Chandler did look good. And so this, I mean, man, it's really interesting. It's got to be either this fight or the Trezano fight for fight of the night, right? Because they were both just wars, right? I mean, in my book, yeah. In my book, it had to be one of these two. I mean, let's be honest. It probably was this fight. Yeah. Be- just because of everything that's on the line. Right. Where it right. was back and forth. Anybody could have got knocked out just like in the other right. fight. But, I mean, there's way more now Higher on the line. Ranking. And, you know, they're both, you know, established um, in the division, established in the sport, mm-hmm. whoever wins gets to stay up at, towards the top of the title. The other person has to drop down to kind of be one of those gatekeeper types. I mean, there's a lot more on the line to this fight. So for you to get the same performance out, I would have to say this fight. But 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 you're right. That's what we're talking about is up until we got to this fight, that other fight was the fight of the night. Fight of the night, yeah. And and I, I do think those are things you have to consider when you're you know take you know trying to call your fight of the night. I do think it matters what the rankings is, what the, you know... What's on the line. What's on the line, what the consequences of somebody winning and losing are going to be. Plus, this fight did go longer, so we got more out of it. But what an absolute war between these two. Chandler put the big hurt on Poirier early, had him in the ropes, (sighs) and... And found a way to lose this fight anyway. Man, <laughs> like, that's the thing about Chandler. That's the thing you got to love about the dude is like <laughs> he will chin check anybody. Yep. Like everybody, when yep. they fight him, he, they get chin checked. Yep. But the thing about it is that as soon as he gets them hurt, he like goes berserker and like doesn't like stay focused to like finish that off to mm-hmm. get that victory. Because he always, I mean, even when he was back in Bellator, he'd fight, you know, Patricky, uh, Patricio uh, Pitbull, Friday. Same fucking thing. They'd be going back and forth. He'd hurt him. He'd go after him. Boom, he'd get fucking, you know, he'd end up getting hurt. <laughs> when he fought Benson Henderson in Bellator, same fucking thing. Yep. He fucking was going at him. Boom, almost fucking, you know, mm-hmm. won by slamming him on his head. I mean, so that's the thing about Michael Chandler is like, Right at the beginning, he's going to come and test you. But the thing about it is, like, he just needs to be able to, you know, calm himself a little bit just to be able to be like, stay focused, you got him hurt. Because as soon as he has him hurt, he just uh, throws reckless abandonment to the window and just starts throwing every single thing he can at you. I mean, it's just like, I now, don't know, just just empties the guns, all of it. So. You're, you're so right. Now, I mean, now that you mentioned that, I'm thinking back now, right? And Oliveira, yeah, yeah. He, he did. Same thing. Gaethje, yeah, he yeah. did. Yeah. Um, God, who else did he fight on his way up? Uh, I mean, he did beat Dan Hooker. Yeah. Um, he did get the finish for Dan Hooker, but yeah, man, that's that's his M.O., man. He's like, hey, I'll... I'll almost knock you out, and yeah. then and then you can win. I'll let you in the fight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he doesn't. I mean, you're right. I mean, you're right. He doesn't let him win, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It is crazy, and that was my whole whole viewpoint of it. Is that I thought that Dustin. I kept saying it that I thought that Dustin was 
durable. I thought that mm-hmm. he'd be able to weather it and be able. Yeah. And then when I'm watching it, I'm like, dude, he's going out. Mm-hmm. He's going out because he was he had his back up against the cage. He was like sort of trying to defend, but was kept taking shots. And I'm like, they're going to jump in here and stop this. Mm-hmm. Like, and then they didn't. And he still stood. And then, then it was bad news for yep. Chandler. So. No, you were absolutely right about that. Yeah. I'm not betting on Chandler anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker. Um, all right. Uh, women's strawweight bout. This one went pretty much how everybody and their mother uh, yeah. thought this, how, how it was going to go. Everybody. So, I mean, you know, yeah, uh, you know, just I wish we could like clip back to, okay, let's talk about the Sparza Wei Lee fight. Oh, you're going for Zhang too? Okay, let's keep moving. <laughs> I, know. I know. I feel like even Carla knew how this fight was going to go down too. That's how. That's how bad it was. Um, yeah, Zeng was such a such a favorite, and rightfully so, and showed us why. And you know, nothing against Carla; she's a good fighter, but but um, Zeng deserves to be at the top there. Oh uh, yeah, no, hundred percent. Thing about Carla that I've seen, um, you know, she was the first. Women's strawweight champion, the inaugural right. women's strawweight champion. Like eight years ago. Yeah. When she won that, she had been the Invicta champ for multiple years gotcha. before that. Gotcha. So she was already pretty much considered the top of the division even before the UFC had the division. And then she took the title. Then she came up against Joanna Janjacek. Mm-hmm. And what did Joanna do? Joanna brought out the boogie woman Mm -hmm. and just went at her in the media, kept going at her, kept getting all the fans that were all on Joanna's side because they fed into that. And it overwhelmed her psychologically. And when she got in the fight, you could tell that she was like, as much as she likes to act stoic, you know, one of the most stoic entrances, just deadpan, just like nothing. Um, I think that that whole psychological part is a big part. Mm-hmm. I really do. Because it was the exact same thing with Whaley, where Whaley didn't need to go at her negatively. All the fans did. They did. All the fans brought out all mm-hmm. that, um, you know, uh, uh, disappointment from the Rose match. Mm-hmm. And just, I mean, she was trying to do press and everybody's booing her. She's like, I'm going to keep the title here in the U S and everybody boos her for that in Madison square garden. I I mean, that's what I'm saying. And so I was already like, okay, well let's see if she can overcome the the psychological part because that was what I had seen before in the Joanna fight. And then it was the same kind of thing where she just got really flustered. And I mean, Whaley had that choke sort of, she had her arm Mm -hmm. pinned down, but at the same time, I mean, it was like sideways. She mm-hmm. was like sideways on top of her. You know what I'm saying? But uh, Carla was just like, fuck this, and like tapped, and that was that. So, yeah, Zhang's a real powerful gal, man. Um, and uh, I mean, that probably looked a lot worse. It probably was a lot worse than it looked. Yeah. Because, I mean, I was even thinking as I'm watching it, like she might be able to choke her out one handed. I was honestly thinking that. I was like, if anyone could do it, it'd be Zhang, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, she's got fucking guns like yeah, Hogan and shit. Exactly. Um, no, you're right. Um, but also, and it was really slick how she had her arm in mm-hmm. there. Cause I was, I was, I was confused. I'm like, how are you holding her arm? You know, like, even though you've got both of your legs, like think about it, think about your arm and your wrist and how easy it is to move it or just, yeah. and, and somebody with their legs, yeah, like pinning your arm, you know, it was just, I mean, I was, I was impressed. I really was good for Whaley Zhang. Um, 
yeah, um, we'll see what's what's next for her. I'm I'm hoping it's another Rose fight because as much as Rose stunk in the Carla fight, those two Wiley fights were were fire. So and to be honest, they probably will do Rose. I would really like to see Rose fight somebody beforehand. I want to make sure she's there mentally. Well, who would it be though? Because I mean, she's already beat Joanna twice. She's mm-hmm. already beat Zhang twice. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Andrade, but she's got a win over Andrade. So right. who else is who else is up there right now that she would fight? Yeah, I mean that's a good point. I mean, um, you know, um, Carolina won a fight and they fought before, <laughs> and right. so I mean it's not the greatest fight, but at the same time, the thing about Rose is you know she's one of my favorite fighters, if not my favorite fighter. Um, you know, big represent for Colorado. You know. I think she's the best straw weight of all time, um, women's straw weight of all time. Um, the thing is, is that, you know, if she didn't get those psychological kinks worked out, everything put in its place, it's really hard for her to come and bring that, like, killer to the yeah. octagon because she's so, like, an earthy, like, you know, you know, about like healing, about like all those kinds of things. So mm-hmm. for her to turn that switch, everything has to be put away in its place. Everything has to make sense. And so that's why, you know, I really want to see, uh, you know, the best uh, Wei Li Zhang, Rose Nami Yunez fight mm-hmm. that we could see, right? Mm-hmm. The third one. I don't want to see them match it up just because it's going to make money. Rose gets in there. She you know, isn't there really. Shit's the and bed. then, yeah. And yeah. then they kill like probably their biggest name mm-hmm. in the division. And then, and then what? And then we're right back where we started and James just looking around. No, you're right. You're right. Good point. And, and no one's going to know except Rose when she's ready or if she's ready. Exactly. Right. So you kind of have to wait for her to <clears throat> make that decision or come to that and come to that point. But but yeah, when uh, you know, just like Manato boy, when Rose is on, she does some amazing things. Going out and knocking out Joanne in the first round, going out and knocking out Zhang in the first round. I mean, even like, before, yeah, even before her striking was where it was, she was you know flying, jumping arm bars yeah. onto onto women yeah. into the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah. I mean, that's who we're talking about. We're talking about somebody who's like really special. Yeah. But at the same Fair. time, because they're special, because they're that special. It's also about like how they see the world, how they see themselves, how they see a lot of that kind of stuff. And sometimes that with getting in a uh, cage and, you know, destroying your opponent can be psychologically, you know, counter opposite. Yep. And yep. so it's just about really about making sure that she's good to get in there. And, you know, there there are more women on the on the come up. Um, and even if not, dude, like Zhang's such a fucking destroyer. I'd love to see her fight like, you know, three or four opponents and kind yeah, of like build up a huge name and just be this big, you know, Chinese champion for Yeah. And I think that's them. what the UFC wants too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it would make sense from mm-hmm. a marketing standpoint. And then we get to the main event. <laughs> Man. And we called it. <clears throat> we fucking called it. <laughs> yeah. Fucking it was a great fight. Um it was, you know, as much as you could ask for and we have a new champ, fucking. I still can't say his name, but Alex Pereira. Yeah, there's so. yeah Pajeda. but yeah, what what a fight! I mean, the, so much that goes into this fast track to a title shot just because Izzy's the champ and Izzy's beating everybody, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, this guy's a two a, a simultaneous two division glory kickboxing champ, yep. and then you know comes over and 
you know, you, you hear all the hype and you hear all the smack talk. And they get in the ring with each other. And 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 Pajeda is just so much bigger than Adesanya. It was so crazy to me. And it, it, it got me thinking about a lot of different things. One, it got me thinking that Israel really needs to rely on his height and reach advantage in order to beat opponents. That's just the way he fights. It's just he, he needs to. Because every time in MMA we've seen him fight somebody that was equal to or taller and longer, he hasn't been able to be um, dominant in the striking and, and has lost these fights. You know, John Bohojevich and Alex Pajeda. And, um, and as much as I thought Alex was going to win, I didn't think it was going to be a fifth-round TKO. I did not see that coming. Yeah. No, I mean, I didn't either. I thought that, you know, Alex may have caught him early yep. up until maybe the third round after that. It was going to kind of favor uh, Adesanya to get a decision. I think most people seen it that way. Um, the thing about Alex is, is he has that level of power, though, that like most fighters who have that level of power, it does, you know, wane considerably once you get further into the fight. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even in the fifth round, he was still, even after being tired, he was still, you know, putting putting it on him. So uh, putting it on Israel. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, um, and then you said something that really made me think there when you said about how you know heavy he was. Like, you you may not realize it, but I'm pretty sure that they were saying on the commentary that he was coming in somewhere around like two sixteen, two twenty, or something <laughs> That's like that. Nuts, dude. I mean, we're talking like heavyweight. We're talking. This is a middleweight fight, and we're talking like you're coming in like heavyweight size. You have to make one eighty five. 24 hours before your fight, mm-hmm. and you're telling me 24 hours later this guy was back up to 215, 216. I mean, he barely made the 185. Let's be but honest, that's it was 30 right at pounds. the end. I know, I know, I know, dude. I know. Of what? Water weight? <laughs> that's a lot of water, my man. <laughs> I know, I know. Come on. I know, I know. And how and, do they do that? That's some crazy diuretics. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Like, I'm, I'm not, because I saw the size difference in the ring, I do believe that. I mm-hmm. do believe there was that discrepancy. I just don't get how that's physically possible is where I'm coming from. Like I know. Well, and some people, you know, can shed the water off more. Some people can, their frame, the way that their frame right. is built. Some right. people just have, like, thicker bones. Some people, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's all that, like, genetic stuff in there. But, uh, but yeah, um, no, it, was, it was a fucking great night of fights. Um, you know, we talked about it before. You've heard other people talk about it. Probably at least right now, it's looking like <laughs> card of the year. So I, I don't see how you, yeah. Like I said, I, I went back and I looked at a couple others, and there was that one a few months back where, like, eleven finishes out of twelve fights on that. Was that card. a fight night though? I think it was a fight night. Yeah, so yeah, so. so there's things you do have to take into consideration, like what's at stake. Mm-hmm. You know, belts on the line, belts changing hands. Yep. Um, the pay-per-view card. 280 was stacked. 280 know? was pretty but stacked. But this was fucking um, crazy stacked. But, I mean, you know, once w- once all the cards for all the organizations are done for the year, we'll go through and we'll give you guys our, our best of. But this this is holding an early, an early lead as of right now. So. Yeah. No, no, exactly. Exactly. Well, Madison Square Garden got one hell of a show. Yeah, it did, man. <laughs> so let's move on to some hot takes. Okay. Um, Starting out the show, we're going to start it off with some good news. Uh, Cain Velasquez has been set free. He was uh, granted a million-dollar bond. Yep, and, uh, you know, obviously as soon as it was, as soon as his bond, as soon as he was able to post bond, his people posted bond mm-hmm. for him. Um, you know, he, 
is on house arrest, ankle monitor, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, just, you know, big ups to Kane. Um, really happy. He gets to be home with his family. Dude's a good dude. Um, yeah, yeah, he, he is, you know, he's, he's a legend. He was always a good fighter to watch. Um, you know, another career that came to an end probably a little bit too early, but this whole thing, like, regardless of your personal opinions, this, this was just a real, a real bad situation. You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I mean, we all talk about it and every, and sometimes people like to talk about that shit where they're like, oh, if it was me, I would have fucking, and then there's some people that like, if it was them, they probably would fucking go crazy. So, I mean, for him, you know, for Kane, um, I really don't think that, I mean, I don't know. I can't say, I don't think he did anything wrong, but at the same time, like if you rely on the system to kind of, um, you know, hold people accountable and it doesn't, Mm -hmm. what do you expect? Yeah. What do you expect when people's, you know, children are at risk? What do you expect when people's children are being preyed upon? Like, yeah. what do you expect? No, I, I, you're you're exactly right. And and for me, knowing knowing Kane and and you know having to go and research the situation and what went down, I think the only thing that surprised me was that a gun was involved. I honestly thought he would just beat the ever living shit out of this guy because yeah. you know he could. I mean, yeah, he could have beat up everybody that was in the car. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go to all at one at a time yeah, and just beat the fuck out of yeah. him. I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, glad he's home. And uh, I'm glad we get to start the show off with uh, some good news. So uh, now let's get into the circus. Um, Let's get into some not so good news here. (laughs) So power slap. Um, (laughs) You know, um, I mean, my bad. Uh, Slap fighting championships. Slap fighting championships. Slap fighting championships is in full force. Um, It is coming 2023. It will be on TBS. Every episode will be approximately sixty minutes, and um, yeah, what do you what do you think about this, dude? So this this is interesting for a, a few things, at least in in my mind. Like this isn't something that the UFC or Dana White came up with. There are other there are organizations oh, yeah. currently doing this oh, right yeah. now, and they're pretty much all in Russia. But yeah, right. But this is just just seems to be one of these bandwagons that the UFC has decided to hop on for whatever reason, which they do from time to time because they're run by a couple of you know a couple of individuals, a couple of short sighted individuals. <laughs> um, Tell them, but but, but for read list to say here we are. Yes. So twenty twenty three, we get to look forward to. People slapping each other People into unconsciousness. Slapping the shit out of each other, man. I, yeah, I don't know that I understand the intricacies of this sport or how to properly defend yourself from a slap. You know, this seems like just. I really hate to be that dude. Like, it, it's hard for me to see it as a legitimate sport. This is coming from somebody right. who's been a mixed martial <laughs> arts fan through the human cockfighting era. Okay, who's been a pro wrestling fan <laughs> through the WCW <laughs> era. <laughs> um, I mean, so I, I'm really gonna wait to hold my thoughts about it until we see it, um, like in its in its presentation, to see exactly how everything works out. I'm not holding a lot of um, favorable esteem for him, but at the same time, this is somebody. Uh, this uh, you know, this is coming from somebody who is a fan of BKFC, right. and up until they had, until BKFC was doing its thing, bare knuckle fighting was looked at as 
you know, super barbaric right. and backwards and, and all, illegal all in a lot of places. Yeah, exactly. No and a lot right. of that same kind of stuff. And it wasn't until the sport kind of got into it, we started getting, you know, the um, uh, skill set that's placed with it. We started mm-hmm. understanding when they started bringing in other athletes, like, no, this is its own thing. Because when I think about this power slap thing, I think about that fucking X arm shit. And I think that, you know, with the podium and they stand right there and they tie each other up and then they fucking hit each other. And mm-hmm. it's like the exact same thing, except you're not tied up. You're at the podium. One hits, one hits, one hits, you know. Um, but, yeah, there could be a lot more than I'm simplifying it at this point. The thing that I take the most out of it is, you know, yes, it's a cash grab by the old Zufa regime. Um, but two, you know, how Zufa is and by Zufa I mean Dana White and the Fertitta brothers mm-hmm. how they're trying to control the narrative of this you know um they don't want it to be called slap fighting slap fighting championships they don't want the combatants to be referred to as slappers um they I think that they think it undermines it to some point but in reality that's what this is this is slap fighting right. championships right. with people who slap each other. <clears throat> right. So, and, and that was something that you had brought up when we were talking about this earlier is that the press yeah. have been issued guidelines on how they're allowed to report exactly. on this particular event. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, if you guys want to go online and get your hands on this, it's really interesting because. You know, combatants shall be referred to as strikers or defenders. Um, you know, there's, they're not going to be these matches aren't going to be called bouts. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, exactly. it's just like like I said, like for for somebody that feels like a lot of the the press gets controlled. You know, anyways, when they're reporting on things, I just thought that was really interesting. It's like you're really trying to paint a picture for something that probably doesn't even need that like why why couldn't you just let these people i don't know it's because i mean let's be honest it's because they're trying to push through this endeavor into a in through a certain hole Mm -hmm. they don't want it to be you know looked at as being less than but they don't want to make it anything more either because it's not technically fighting so that's why they're like we're not going to be able to call it bouts. It's not boxing. Right. It's not that kind of thing. It's more of a spectator right. type sport. But at the same time, we don't want to minimalize it. We don't want it to be called slappers. We don't want this to be called. We don't want people getting confused and thinking slap fighting championships and <laughs> ultimate fighting championships are really just part of the same thing. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I like, I understand it's they're trying to they're trying to narrow this scope into a certain area to give it you know, the type of perception that they want. Mm-hmm. But the thing about it is that when you try to do something like that, especially by, you know, giving guidelines to journalists, and then if the journalists, what, don't want to follow the guidelines, then what, they lose their press credentials from yeah. doing it? That's the kind of shit that makes me want to be like, fucking slap fighting championships and these fucking slappers <laughs> no, no, and a fucking, you know what I'm saying? Because no, it's, it's like, what are you doing, dude? It, what are you doing? It hasn't even started and you're already trying to yeah. fucking put all the weight on it, you know? It, it's definitely slap fighting championships. Yeah. And, and I'm not sure how much time and effort we'll put into reporting on this particular thing. But, but bottom line, right, is is it going to be entertaining? I mean, when it all boils down to it, that's really all that matters, right? So yeah. is this going to be watchable? Is it going to be entertaining? Is it going to have something that holds people's attention? If it's 60 minutes, I'm going to be honest with you. If it's 60 minutes a week of people knocking each other out, I'm probably going to watch it. Okay. 
I'm just like, you know, and I, I think about this when I think about a, a lot of sports. And I think one of the things that makes the sports, the, the major sports that we watch, are how they can be statistically categorized and how they can be common, commentated on. I think that's, that's, as Americans, that's what we want in our sports, which is why some sports do well and other sports don't. You know, you've got your, your hockey, your baseball, your football, um, MMA. There's a reason why these succeed, and it's because it lends, themself, it lends themselves to statistical analysis, mm-hmm. which Americans love, right? Yep. I love fucking stats. Yep. But it also lends itself to being commentated on, with the yep. color commentary. Do you, can you do that when it's, I'm, okay, I'm going to slap you. It's, I mean, it's like the old Rochambeau from uh, South Park, remember? It's like, well, I'll kick you in the nuts, and then. Yeah, <laughs> no, you're, no, exactly. I mean, it is, it's, it's exactly Rochambeau. This reminds me of the kind of commentating I'm expecting to see on this. Reminds me of, like, the early 2000 era. Do you remember when, um. On Spike, they used to have a show. It was like before Ninja Warrior, and they would have like these like dudes. It was like you know, it was all in Japanese. It was a Japanese like show, but then they would have them you know dubbed over in American yeah. voices, and they would be like they would make fun uh-huh. of the dudes. They'd be like, oh, yep. this dude versus that kind of thing, yep. and they would like show a little promo, and they'd be like, oh, this dude is Erky Jerky from this part of right. Japan, and blah blah blah, and they would make all this fun, and then they would show him do the little obstacle course and he'd win or he'd fail or whatever that's how i see this going is that they're going to like give a little like background and then they're going to show the person slap and maybe they may make light of it maybe they won't depending on if there's characters or not Mm -hmm. um but that's kind of how i see it and i think that commentating on it they're gonna be like you know oh you know Joe took a hard slap in that last one. Is he going to be able to stand up from the second one? Let's see. I don't know. You know, (laughs) that kind of thing. And then they gear up. Here it comes. You know, that kind of thing. That's kind of how I, that's kind of how I think. I mean, I hope it's more than that, but I'm just saying just from a view viewer standpoint, I think that they're going to, you know, push hard on every single engagement beforehand. And then the engagement is the blow off and then they redo it for the next one and Mm -hmm. that whole sort of thing, because they're hoping that people get knocked out and fall asleep, you know? So do you not get to return fire if you get knocked out? Does that mean you're out? Yeah. So, so a lot of it comes down to who goes first then. So a lot of it comes down to that coin toss. Then. Well, I mean, there we go. Now we're kind of getting in, into more of the whole um, mechanics behind it. You would think that, and there is probably something good to be said for that, but there's also motherfuckers out there with chins. There's people out there with some chins made of granite, and we get a Homer Simpson type dude in there and he can just get <laughs> slapped as hard as he can over and over and the dude can't go out and he's been against five or eight fucking okay. dudes. Do you see what I'm saying? I, right. Then there gets to be this whole fucking skill thing. <clears throat> so that's why I want to kind of reserve my thoughts until after we've seen some of these All to right. kind of get a better idea. But at the same time... I'll check it out. It's Yeah, I mean, 2023, we're all going to be able to <laughs> get our view on it. So okay. get our eyes on it. Um, we're also going to be able to get our eyes on... At UFC 284, Islam Makachev putting his brand new title on the line against Volkanovski. The 145-pound reigning champ for years champ versus now. Champ. Um, yeah, Volkanovski. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's an, it's an exciting fight. I mean, how many times have you counted Volk out in, in a fight before just because he's the smaller guy? Like, it's really tough to do that at this stage. Um, you, I, I'm going to yeah. do it again, though. 
<laughs> yeah, all right. I mean, I probably will too. <laughs> like, I'll see what the betting lines look like when it gets closer to the fight. <laughs> yeah. But, but, um, but, but Volkanovski is a really intelligent fighter. Like, they they craft great game plans for their opponents. He's he's fast. He knows where he can hurt you, where he can be hurt, and he he stays in in areas that benefit him a lot. He's he's a very very smart fighter. Um, but yeah, I mean, conventional wisdom would tell you that Makachev's a bigger, stronger wrestler. He's just going to go in there and manhandle him, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I think. But um, I'm really excited to see this fight. Nothing but props to Volkanovski for going up in weight. To, I always love that. I yeah. always love seeing that. No, me too. Me too. And um, and yeah, and I'm sure that uh, by the time that fight gets close, we're gonna have. Nothing but in-depth analysis and background <laughs> so, information to fill you here at Scrapcast. So, so we'll, we'll, stay tuned. Yeah, we'll get you started. So Volkanovski claims to be consuming over 4,000 calories a day to be able to bulk up to 155 for this fight. Mm. So, Beefcake. Um, yeah, I mean, he's at least attempting to, to do it right. But, I, yeah, I, I, think, I still think that's a tall order. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. Um, yeah. You know, we talked a little bit about Frankie Edgar having his last fight. Um, Joanna Young Jacek, who's already had her last mm-hmm. fight and has retired, she's been in the you know media recently talking about possibly considering one more uh, fight. Um, you know, even though she's already like pretty much a shoe in for the UFC Hall of Fame, as she should be. Yeah, she should be one hundred percent. She's you know debating this idea of one more fight. What do you what do you think about that? I think Joanna is has been and always will be a fan favorite. Like she really is. Um Agreed. you know, she's a charismatic personality. Uh she's a she's a really good fighter. It's right you, you never know like cuz so it was the spinning back fist knockout f- from Wiley was her last fight. Mm. And you really do like the whole case with Frankie. You really have to be careful about which one of these fights you make your last fight, right? Because all that ends up happening after a certain point is they all end up being like that. Exactly. So, you know, there's that drive to compete, but at what point has the sport passed you by and you know, I don't want to see another another one of those. Um, but I do think Joanna can probably still compete. I do think there's probably women that she could fight that she could be competitive with. And, and like I said, there's not anyone that's going to see her name on the card and not get excited about watching her fight. So, No, you're right. Getting into the next piece of n- news here. Uh, home, Holly Home is calling for a fight with Juliana Pena. Um you know, Juliana has been outspoken about wanting that third Amanda Nunes fight. Mm-hmm. Is it? No, no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So, you know, she really wants to get that back. Um, we've talked about it before. What do you think as far as, you know, home? Is she justified? Is that a fight you're interested in seeing? What do you think? Yeah. So, you know, it, when you go two consecutive bouts against an opponent, and you're one and one. It, it, I mean, is the logical next step not the tiebreaker? Like, I, I get it when you guys have fought early in your career, and then you meet again years later, and you're different fighters. But Nunez Pena, that was two consecutive fights. Yep, they're one and one. Yep. And it, for me, like, and again, I'm not a proponent of these immediate rematches, but it would make sense to 
have the tiebreaker in that in that instance. I mean, yeah, and I really can appreciate you trying to bring logic to this uh, <laughs> UFC rematch fucking fiasco. Um, I really do. Um, but okay. even if it is logical, which I believe right. it is, even if it's of sound logic, I, I don't know if that makes it any more or any less in the right. world we live in. <clears throat> well, I apologize for not answering the question because the question was, <laughs> do you want to see Holly Holm fight Pena? Yes, I do. That's the short answer to that question. Okay. Yes. Okay. I do think that would be a good fight. Over... Pena versus Noons three. Because let's be honest here, you know, maybe they fight, maybe home wins, and then that kind of puts the okay. oust on the, do you All see right. what I'm saying? All right, you talked me into it. Yeah. Yes, I'd rather see home versus Pena than <laughs> Nunez Pena. No, okay. you did. No, you just sold it for me. Okay. Um. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, I like that. I like that. Because you're right, that opens the door to a lot of a lot of different possibilities. Pena gets to earn a rematch if there's going to be another rematch. It allows Nunez to fight somebody else who's deserving of a fight, and it gives home the number one contender fight that she needs if she wants to fight Nunez. So, yeah, I'm, that 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 works out. Yeah, because I just pulled up the bantamweight rankings here because I'm like, okay, so if Juliana fights Holly, then who is Amanda going to fight? It's got to be somebody, right? It's got to be. Um, Realistically, the only people that are in between Juliana and Holly is Kaylin Vieira, who beat Holly Holm. Who beat Holly Holm, right. Yeah. Well, that's there you go. That's a good challenger. Yeah. I mean, they could have uh, Kaylin Vieira versus Amanda Nunes and, you know, the co-main eventer on the undercard, Juliana Pena versus Holly Holm. Winner fights winner. Yep. I like it. Yeah. I like it, too. Like you it. sold me on that because I would rather <laughs> no, because I would rather see Pena versus Nunez three because I think that that is super competitive. Even right. though the last fight, Amanda really like you know um, was fucking up mm-hmm. um, Juliana earlier with the with the strikes with switching um, going southpaw mm-hmm. and with that right straight just constantly yep. in her in her mouth just constantly having mm-hmm. her fall over herself i mean she was racking up the rounds but at the same time towards the end of the fight juliana was still there mm-hmm. juliana was threatening coming at amanda nunez and if juliana had a better game plan i don't know if that fucking switch would have been a big thing you know right. so i'm i really want to see that fight so that's what I was thinking, but now since we've talked about it, and it kind of does make sense, plus, you know, Caitlin gets her title shot. Right. I mean, it kind of helps out everybody, you yep. know? So it makes sense. So, yeah, that's that sounds like a good one to me. So uh, uh, have you, <clears throat> like, on Instagram or anything, mm-hmm. I know you're not in social media or anything, but has there been any response from Pena in regards to the home call out that you're aware of? I like how you would expect it. I would know about <laughs> know. the Instagram. <laughs> um, no. So the thing is, is um, home had a fighter um, interview at this last event. She was like a guest fighter. Sometimes they do mm-hmm. that where they mm-hmm. just show up and they let the media ask them questions. Home came with this in her purse. She just p- pulled it out and was like, I want to fight Juliana Pena. Gotcha. I think I should. And then I think that a lot of MMA journalists were kind of like caught off guard, like, oh, you want to fight Juliana? Because let's be honest, uh, you know, Holly has, she did just lose her last fight. Right. And um, uh, so, you know, you're kind of like, yeah, it would make sense that you would want to fight Juliana and the weight division's, you know, a little top heavy. So blah, 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 blah. But 
when you actually look at it, her record, she's on a three-fight win streak in Bantamweight. Right. So she's one of these fighters that is going back and forth between fighting between these two weight classes, depending on if the situation suits her, right? The 145 and 135 women's division. And not many other women are doing that. No. I well, mean, let, well, let, okay. You're right, but you're wrong. Because let's be honest, the only other women that are fighting in women's featherweight are also fighting in bantamweight. Okay. okay. Do you see what I'm I saying? Mean, Nunez, but has Ronda May fight, fought at 135? Ronda? J- Jermaine Ronda May. Oh, I was like, fucking I Rousey? Not, <laughs> <laughs> I may not be pronouncing her name correctly. Um, Jermaine Deronda May. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, Deronda May doesn't, but technically, she's not even on the women's featherweight. If you look up women's featherweight rankings on UFC on their website, it's only the Amanda Nunez's champ. <laughs> okay. That's it. Because then you got Kaylin Vieira, which we talked about, beat Holly Holm at 145. Right. She's the number two at. Okay. Yeah. So, but that's a lot of that has to do again with promotional malpractice. The UFC has cut their feather women's featherweight back, um, you know, consistently and they don't sign or refuse to re-sign the ones that would actually be threatening in Mm. order to have a legitimate featherweight division. Um, I mean, it's just, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know how much of it we can really hold against the fighters themselves for trying to do this or the UFC who sometimes just doesn't, you know, pull their head out of their ass. Mm -hmm. Like they just, you know, kind of do what they think is right or they do what they think they have to or whatever the hell. I mean, they, you know, like we talked about years ago, um, they got rid of their whole flyweight division. Yeah. Literally almost overnight, Mm -hmm. got rid of everybody, but like four fucking fighters, Mm -hmm. And then decided they wanted to keep it after they got rid of everybody, you know, and had to build that back up. And so they've gotten rid of all their women's featherweight, but that, that's that been at least a couple of years now, and, and they still yeah. haven't built it back up. <clears throat> yeah, that's... And yeah. they don't really make Amanda Nunes, you know, uh, go out and fight for the featherweight belt, except when other people call her out, like Juliana. So then we got all... You see what I'm saying? I do. So so even though we have this situation at hand where it would make sense to kind of match these people, uh, these fighters up, you also have the point that, like, you got this champion of a weight division that isn't really a weight division, and there's no real... There's, there is none, like, <laughs> contender list. There's literally so it's no literally official like, contender list. Yeah, it's literally <laughs> like anybody could come in from anywhere and just be yeah. like, I want to fight Amanda Nunes, and it would be legitimate because there's nobody else there. Right. And and there are women outside the organization fighting at that weight class. So where's the push to sign them? You're right. It does. I, I mean, I, I think that's a great uh, term that you've coined there that you need to, you know, throw some trademark on that promotional malpractice. That's, that's not <laughs> mine. That's not mine. <laughs> okay. That that comes from Luke Thomas, the gotcha. the MMA journalist. He used to have a uh, uh, a show where he would answer questions and that show was called <laughs> promotional okay. malpractice. Okay. So he's the one that actually coined the term. Okay. I'm just saying that like we are already, you know, pretty um, critical of the UFC in a lot of ways and for it to be justified. This is Mm -hmm. the number one promotion in the world. I mean, they're just, they're going all over the globe. They're doing, you know, the biggest shows they're selling out. They're taking the biggest box office records at, you know, fucking Madison square garden and all these big arenas. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're pulling all the big numbers. They pay their fighters the least amount. And so 
we got to be critical of them. And, mm-hmm. and even though they're, you know, the biggest promotion and hold the greatest weight for their platform, they fucking do stupid shit all the time. Yeah, they do. So, and that's just part of it. So. Bush League, man. <laughs> Bush League stuff. It's Bush League psych out stuff, man. Uh, <laughs> laugh awesome. about it. <laughs> so... UFC got involved with the metaverse. <laughs> we talked all about that. You can go back and listen to episode one or two. That was covered in depth. We don't have to recover that. But we do kind of kind of circle back around because now the PFL has entered into the metaverse. So it's the, it's the perfect segue because, man, I, this isn't going anywhere. Like this, <laughs> literally. No, this <laughs> we're gonna be here every week talking about the fucking metaverse. This is going fucking nowhere. It's just, it's, it's such a stupid idea. There's, it's not gonna catch on. This is not gonna be the next fucking big thing. <laughs> this is a s- super desperate attempt from Meta, and and I, I'm honestly a little bit bummed out that PFL felt like they had to, that they had to do that. One of the things I like about some of these other promotions is that they're they're not doing it like the UFC is, right? They all have these little things they bring to the table. PFL has a great tournament setup that they use, and I and I love it. I love the points. Yep. And at the end of the year, they have you have the big shows where all the titles are on the line. Exactly. I mean, you watch those shows, exactly. you know exactly who the champion is for that year, for the whole next year. Yeah. And when you know, and as a fighter, you all you know exactly where you stand. You know, um, you know, a decision win gets you a certain amount of points. A finish in the first round gets you a certain amount of points. Like you know exactly yeah. how, where you're at and how to get to where you want to go. Yep. Um, yeah. So and and again, um, there's a lot of other of these small organizations that are stepping outside of the box, doing things their own way, and it does benefit them. Like that's why we would want to watch them as opposed to the UFC. So I'm not sure why. The PFL felt like they had to follow suit with jumping into the the metaverse. It, I also think this is the stupidest thing I've ever had to actually have a conversation about. <laughs> yeah, um, I just thought it was funny that they jumped into the metaverse, given already the strong amount of one criticism that has already been put on mm-hmm. the UFC and LFA for joining the metaverse. But two, I mean, it didn't seem like the UFC or LFA benefited very no. highly off the metaverse. No. So I don't understand why they would either. The only thing that I can think is PFL is owned by like a, I don't want to say co-op, but it's owned by a lot of different interests. There's not like one group right. or one person. Right. It's like a lot of celebrities and other people that have their money pooled in for this mm-hmm. PFL thing. So my thought is that because these people work in, you know, probably these other, um, avenues of media or whatever else. They're like, Hey, let's do this metaverse thing. Blah, 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 blah. Do you see what I'm saying? I do. Because it's not just a fight organization. They're like people with money that are getting involved and trying to create their own fight organization. But there's, I mean, there's people all over the place. I think some of them are movie stars. Some of them are probably musicians. Some of them are, you know, whoever, right. you know what I'm saying? Just people with some money or whatever. So, I mean, I think that, you know, maybe it was like a, half dozen of one dozen of another and they were just like oh yeah half of us want to half of us don't so we're going to do this you know metaverse thing and let's be honest meta fucking zuckerberg facebook all that shit they probably you know paid or gave them like 
you know, crazy. They're like, hey, why don't we do this metaverse thing? We'll promote the shit out of you on all of our platforms. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what the deal was, but I'm sure that it was something that benefited the PFL overall. And that's kind of why they did it. That would be my guess. So for, for one, if these are the people that are running the PFL, these are not people historically notorious for being smart with their money. No. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. No. Second of all, anyone that's paying attention knows that right now Facebook is hemorrhaging users. Yes. At alarming rates. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I don't see I, I, I don't see this ending well. I just don't. No, I mean, you're probably right. You're probably right. Um, but, yeah, but they're doing it, and we're covering it, and <laughs> fuck meta. <laughs> no. All right, so let's move on. Uh, Shane Burgos is out of his uh, PFL debut mm-hmm. match against Marlon Marias. Um, but Marlon does have a... a uh, somebody stepped in to fight right. him. Who's right. that? Shaman Marias. Shaman Marias, um, who's also in the UFC at one point. Yep, yep. Um, they all three were. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I really think that you know Marlon. I was a big fan of Marlon and PFL. I really looked forward to him coming into the UFC when he came in and he fucking um, starched Aljo right off the bat. I was like, yep, this he is exactly hot, who I did. thought he was gonna be. He had a hot. Start. And then the dude just kind of self destructed from that point on. I really, when I found out that he was going back to PFL, I was like, oh, that's probably a good, you know, move. Mm. Um, That's where he was the champion. He'll probably be able to get a few titles there and his career off real nice. At one time, this, at one time, Marlon Marias was considered one of the top three, you know, in his weight division in the world. Mm -hmm. He just wasn't in the UFC. Exactly. He was beating the fuck out of everybody in the uh, Fighters League. Um, Magic man. Yeah. Um, at the same time when uh, Justin Gaethje was. World Series of Fighting. Right, right. They were both in World Series of Fighting right. before it was the Professional Fighters League. And so I was, you know, I was a big fan back then. And then, you know, when I found out that he was going back to PFL, I'm like, yeah, that's, that'd be a good thing. And then I found out that Shane Burgos was who he was fighting. And I was like, that's fucking terrible news. You know, I mean, I like Shane Burgos, but it's like, dude, that's the last person you want to fight. So I think he really dodged a bullet there. I probably would still um, favor uh, Shaman uh, over Marlon just because of that. Just because even if you really want to go for him, it's really hard to. It's really hard to know that he's going to be able to, you know, be there for the fight, um, so to say. So, uh, yeah, I mean, what, what do you think about all that? So he still has the skill. He still has the talent. What he doesn't have Shane is Burgos? the dirt. No, Marlon Moraes. Oh, sorry. Okay. Sorry. Um, but no, I do, I do want to talk about Shane here in a second. But Marlon, like I said, he does still have the skill. He does still have the talent. What he lacks at this point is the durability. Right? And that's unfortunate, but that is almost just as important in, you know, mixed martial arts than... Anything else you'll need. You have to have the ability to withstand some damage. Oh, 100%. And it doesn't seem like he has that. And no, so, no. Um, yeah, I don't favor him for either one of those fights. Um, but but you gave me some interesting information on Shane, because we, we both like Shane. Shane's a good fighter. He's mm-hmm. a, one of the he's at the top of the division, probably top 10, if not top 12. Yeah. And, uh, and for some reason, he's not in the UFC anymore. And, yep. And what, why is that now? So what had happened was um, it's become more and more common for fighters to fight out their contract, Um, not only to fight it out to quote unquote test the market to see what their value is with other fight promotions, but then they can hold that as leveraging power against the UFC to get them to re-sign contracts. For more money. Yeah. 
Um, this is just where the sport's at right now. And so um, with Shane Burgos, what happened was somebody dropped the ball in the UFC. And when he got to his last fight, they didn't, you know, um, what the UFC likes to do is they like to try to force fighters, especially young contenders that are coming up. Hey, you want this next fight to get closer to the title. We need you to re-sign this contract and then we'll give you this and that. Mm -hmm. Whoever sat down to make that fight, his last fight, they didn't do that. They let him go out on his last fight. He went out on a win. Mm -hmm. I think he won two, three fights in a row. Um, something like that. He was like a legitimate contender coming up and they just let him fall through the cracks. And, you know, there was even a journalist that asked Dana White about it. Like, why didn't you guys try to re-sign Shane Burgos? And he was like, we fucked up on that. So that's realistically what happened. Right, because the whole point is for the UFC to retain the talent like that or to get it from other promotions when they see the talent like that, not to be letting it go during their prime, right? Especially young fighters, especially right. coming up with with names and with skill. Those are the fighters that everybody's looking for. Those are the fighters that, exactly. I mean, feeder, uh, feeder leagues are built for to mm -hmm. try to find those. I mean, that's the whole point of this. So for them to let somebody like Shane Burgo slip through, that was, that was a big, you know. Yeah, no, so you're, so you're absolutely right. So this is... Somebody who was on um, a, a two-fight winning streak mm -hmm. and has a win um, over Cub Swanson, Maquan Amerikani, Kurt Hollibaugh, I mean, Billy Quarantillo, Charles Jourdain, like quality e names. Yeah, and even in the fight that he lost, it was to Josh Emmett, and it was a close exactly. fight. And exactly. Josh Emmett is like right up there for a title. I, yeah. Um, is he not? That's the interim featherweight That's championship the interim. fight. That's the interim. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's... uh. Yair versus Emmett. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. On 284. Yep. Yeah. Um, nah, exactly. So, I mean, that's what happened with that, and that's why Shane Burgos is in the PFL. Now, the thing about it, though, is that the PFL really doesn't have the ability to sign fighters for long-term contracts. Let's take Kayla Harrison. Mm -hmm. She signs a contract, and it's like two-year contract. Now, because it's Kayla Harrison, once that contract's over – they have it, you know, in their contract that if she goes out and Bellator offers her fucking yachts of money, then they have the chance to match it to right. keep her right. in PFL. So with this whole Shane Burgos situation, he could very well, you know, fight in the PFL, win a couple of times. Maybe not this year, depending on what the injury is, how far he's going to be out, how long he's going to be out for, because you have to you know, participate in the season right. in order to get to the final. So right. if you're injured and you can't, then you're out, you know, for the year. Um, we'll have to see what happens. But theoretically, we could see Shane coming back to the UFC. And there's been fighters like that, too. There's been fighters that leave um, the UFC, go to another fight, go to another fight promotion, get a big name, come back, be a world record. It's happened multiple times. Mm -hmm even with one of the other fighters that we're going to talk about here in a minute. And so, um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, we'll see what, what the future brings for Shane Burgos, but, uh, fucking Marlon has to be counting his lucky stars on that one. Cause I, I, I think that that was just a fucking, that I thought that they made that fight just to showcase, like, look who we got in the PFL. <laughs> no, like. For sure. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll be excited to watch, um, 
Shane's debut in, in PFL. I'll be really excited for that. Yeah, me too. Um, last week we talked about how the UFC was preventing fighters, fighters camps. I don't know, fighters' families. I'm not exactly sure exactly who all, but right? fighters was, and their peoples, we'll how, just say that. But how can you enforce that? That's I, a really interesting. Right? I know, I know. But anyway. Anyway, um, from betting, right? And then on this last card, um, we had, um, well, not the last card, but the card before, we had uh, a really good fight, mm-hmm. uh versus... Uh, Minner, mm-hmm. and supposedly there was alleged betting allegations. Now, it's not really clear because they said that there were a bunch of bets that came in late that, you know, that were for Nurtebeki to win, and then Nurtebeki won by, you know, first round TKO. Right. Um, and so there was like, <clears throat> did, you know, uh, Minner's team throw... Did Minner and his team throw the fight? Blah, blah, blah. There was those kind of speculations, you know, kind of uh, circling. Um, The investigations turned out to be clear, at least according to Dana White. He said that there was none of that that was involved. But when they asked him, well, you know, you know, they asked him like, you know, was, you know, what happened with it? He was like, oh no, it ended up being clear, but it was really good because it shows fighters that like this kind of stuff's not going to happen and stuff. And they're like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, you know, like the guys that, you know, may or may not have had anything to do with it. Like they know that like we're watching and that we get, <laughs> so it's like, so you're that's saying that that's so, classic. Dana yeah. White, man. So you're saying that it's clear, but you're also <laughs> saying that, you know, if there was some malfeasance going on that everybody understands that they can get caught, except that nobody got caught yeah. and that, I mean, it's yeah. so up its own ass. It, it's classic Dana White type tactics. This mm-hmm. reminds me of when Dana was like, wait, wait until you try to log on and stream the fights this weekend. You're being for a big surprise. <laughs> and then like though. nothing happened. And then everybody was like, so Dana, what was that about? He's like, huh, we caught him. We, we shut him down. <laughs> like, it's like you, who? You, you really didn't. Though. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, yeah. like, no. I'm still watching it. Um, I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dana so, White versus the streamers. That's a battle he's not winning. Yeah. Um, no. And and Dana White does that kind of shit from time to time. But whatever. It's just funny how we just talked about it. How it didn't really make a lot of sense. We didn't really understand what it was all for. And then right away they were like, Oh, we already you know have an investigation and we've already cleared it. But then when they asked him more about it, like, well, how did you, you know, determine it was clear? He's like, right. well, it just goes to show that, like, you know, if they're if they're doing it, we're watching. Like, they know. It's like, <laughs> who? What are you talking about, dude? Yeah. <laughs> all, all anybody knows now is that you can pretty much get away with it because... So the, the, these are the optics of it, right? So, <laughs> and, and it's so funny how they phrase it. Suspicious betting activity. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that could fall under several categories, yeah. right? But we had talked about this previously on an episode where the only way this benefits the fighter is if you've, you, put as a fighter, put money on the underdog, which is not you, yep. and then you throw the fight. Exactly. Right, which looks like that's actually might what have might what might have been what happened in this in this situation. I mean, theoretically. So, so how do you clear that? Like this, that, this is this is my point. Like, how do you clear that? How do you find out that the suspicious betting activity was n- not suspicious anymore? You know, short of like kidnapping people individually, putting bags on their head, pulling them out, 
fucking taking the whole cutters to their <laughs> fingers <laughs> until somebody snitches yeah. on someone. Yeah. I, I don't know. Or, or short of, you know, looking at the video and seeing Minner being the one that shows up to place the bet. Like, you know, that's the only I, I way. I mean, that... yeah. I mean, yeah. If you, I mean, that would be like on like the world's dumbest criminals type <laughs> no, video. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. how are you going to be the dude fighting and be the yeah. dude losing that goes and puts the bet on? I know. So... Nah, and the th- and the thing was is it didn't even make any sense because they said that there were a bunch of bets that came in late, and then when they asked him about it, you know, Dana, they were like, so there was a bunch of bets that came in late, and he was like, no, like there was a bunch of bets that may have come in, like a bunch of people talked, like they called in and like like that they were gonna place the bet, but the bets didn't get put in, but we still <laughs> investigated and we found nothing, but now they all know that we're watching, even though we found nothing. I mean, dude. Who the fuck knows what this the fuck is going on? Dude, there, this so. motherfucker should be running for president. That's all I, I know. And he and he always <laughs> likes to talk about how fucking Oscar De La Hoya is all coked out and shit. I mean, it's like, dude, Dana, bro, fucking calm down over there, man. Oh, man. Uh, so yeah. So um, on a more somber note, uh, the combat sports world was shocked uh, yesterday when we all found out that the you know. The fighter Anthony jo- Johnson, um, yeah. former light heavyweight, former heavyweight, former welterweight. Um, you know he's fought in a lot of different promotions. The UFC. Uh, you know he fought his last fight in Bellator. He's fought a lot of different places. Um, he passed away yesterday due to an immune disorder, um, and so was really shocking. Um, I know that. Um, we felt it that we were, you know, really hurt by it just because Anthony Johnson is one of those like fan favorite type fighters that goes out there, heavy power, puts it on people, um, and had so much promise. I mean, there was a time not very long ago when he was going to fight John Jones and Mm -hmm. a lot of people favored him in that fight against John Jones. Um, and so you know, he fought Daniel Cormier twice for the title. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I almost won it. Almost almost fucking oh, he, he put did. DC he, out right at the beginning. He did. He, he put him down hard, yeah. Yeah, hit him across the other end of the octagon. Mm-hmm. Um, was crazy. Um, I know that there was some talk in the media from other fighters that were kind of discussing that, you know, these kinds of things were going on, that Anthony Johnson was, you know, dealing um, with some health problems. I don't think that anybody, at least not of, you know, the major fan base or of this, you know, rest of the sport really knew it to be that serious. And then he's gone. So, um, you know, rest in peace to Anthony Johnson. Horrible, horrible news. Um, yeah, I, I mean, all I can say is, you know, my thoughts and prayers go out to his family. Yeah. Definitely taken too soon. This is a guy who was an absolute joy to watch fight. Yep. Um, and <clears throat> I mean, I I just want to read off some names here. Listen to the list of who's who that this guy has beat. Um, David Branch, mm-hmm. who's a champion in one of the minor organizations. Yep. Um, Andre Arlovsky, mm-hmm. who's they a former champ at heavyweight. Yep. Mike Kyle, Phil Davis, Mister Wonderful, yep. right? Little Nog, Antonio Hogerio Nogueira. Alexander Gustafsson in Sweden. In Sweden, yeah. um, Jimmy Manoa, yeah. another minor organization title holder. Yeah. Ryan Bader, Bellator title holder in two weight classes. Glover Teixeira, UFC light heavyweight champ, former. Yep. I mean, this that's it's just such an uh, an amazing list. A- and, and the people he's fought. 
Vitor Belfort. Vitor. Fucking, Cormier twice. I mean, in his welterweight career, too. He fought all <laughs> those guys, too, you know? I mean, yeah. it's just... No, I mean, the dude gave so much to MMA and to combat sports, really. And, um, you know, it, it it is sad, and these kinds of things do happen, you know. Um, but what was your... When you think about Anthony Johnson, what fight or performance stands out in your mind? Uh, probably that. Um, I mean, yeah, that's that's a that's a tough call because it's it's interesting looking back on it and what m- means more now, right? Like mm-hmm. maybe the Glover to share win means more now because of what Glover was able to accomplish. But I asked when I, when someone says Anthony Johnson, what's the first fight or the top performance in your mind like was, what do you think of it was it was the ryan bader fight for me it was okay. the ryan bader fight because ryan bader was the favorite he was supposed to be the golden boy and he just he just got knocked the fuck out like he got <laughs> he got planted he got planted by rumble and and that was when and even before that those of us knew that rumble was a one hitter quitter like and then after that everyone knew it everyone was like look you can put him in there with anybody and he's got a real good chance of knocking you out yep yep yeah, no, that was a good one. Uh, mine uh, is um, the, I forget what his last name is now, Phil. Phil Davis. The Phil Davis fight. Mr. Wonderful. So, okay, so we had watched um, Anthony Johnson go through the UFC as a welterweight. Mm-hmm. We watched him leave as a welterweight. Um, I believe his last fight was against Vitor Belfort, where he missed weight. And Vitor, I think he submitted him, or he was really close to submitting him with the rear naked choke. Anyways, that was his last UFC fight at that time. He left the UFC. He went and fought in, I think it was World Series of Fighting, where he fought Andre Arlovsky. Yep. um, Which was a crazy fight, too, because I remember being downtown watching it and seeing him knock out... uh, Andre and I fucking took a shot and walked off and I was supposedly that didn't happen. So it was like I fucking walked into a fucking other dimension. It's like a Mandela effect. It literally is. Like, I mean, because afterwards. Like, no, I saw that knockout. And like, you're like, no, it was a yeah. decision. No, it was a decision. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um, that still fucks with me. But um, no, but um, the uh, Phil Davis fight. So then Anthony Johnson, after being a heavyweight, comes back mm-hmm. to the UFC. And so nobody really knows what to expect at this point because we've seen him as a welterweight. We've seen him fight as a heavyweight in other promotions. So where's he going to go? He comes in at light heavyweight and fucking just is a fucking bulldozer. Mm -hmm. I mean, wouldn't let Phil Davis, who at the time was like top contender, had just, you know, fought for a title, Mm -hmm. was like at the very top. Phil Davis couldn't get shit going. Anthony Johnson was just shoving, you know, his fist in his face the whole time. Heavy power, putting it on him. Nobody had done that to Phil Davis at that point. I mean, Phil Davis was either, he was either going to wrestle you to a boring decision or he was going to win based on his own wrestling abilities. Mm -hmm. And Anthony Johnson just went in there and was like, I don't give a fuck about your wrestling abilities and just fucking just beat the shit out of him. I mean, I mean, didn't knock him out, but literally like big brothered him in every single sort of way to the point. It was so amazing that when I was done, I was like, I I never expected to see Anthony Johnson like this. And then I was just like super ready to see any of his fights after that. So when I think about Anthony Johnson to me, 
that's the fight that always comes back because that was when it was like a reopening. It's like after watching this dude fight for years and fighting other organizations and fight all this, for him to come back and look this good and this dangerous in the UFC, I was just like, I want to see this dude fight everybody. Yeah, and him nullifying Phil Davis's wrestling was just so startling, you yeah. know, because... Yeah, we're striking. Like, just, yeah. just striking him. Just <laughs> yeah. fucking... Every time yeah. he went for something, fucking boop, and he's just fucking, oh, can't do that. Oh, can't do that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Nah, I mean, just straight power. So, uh, yeah, man. Yeah. Rest in peace, Anthony Johnson. We'll miss you, Rumble. All right. So, that wraps up the hot takes uh, for the for the week. Let's get into some spotlight fights. Usually we like to profile matchups. Um, late, you know, we've done a lot of so and so fighting so and so, but uh, man, there's a lot of cards this weekend. I think there's a lot that's kind of flying under the radar. So let's just profile uh, two or three cards that are, you know, maybe not getting the the hype or mm-hmm. the credit that they deserve. You know, mm-hmm. um, so one has two cards this weekend. We're going to talk about their one on prime four that, uh, later on, but the next night after one on prime four, one is having one championship, one sixty three, And, uh, it looks like it is, um, it's main event has Shinya Yoki in it. I didn't know that until you brought that up. I yeah. had no idea yeah, that Aoki yeah. had a fight coming up in one. Yeah, it's a welterweight and, fight. And why why is it a welterweight fight? Aoki's not a welterweight. Um, yeah. Um, I think that they're trying to uh, shed a little bit of the rub on uh, say Git over here. That's who's fighting okay. Shinya. So that would be my guess. Also on the card, uh, Yushin Okami, former wow. longtime fighter. Wow. He's no on kidding. the card That's too. A blast yeah, in the past man. Yeah, I know. So. Um, yeah, so there's, uh, there's some, you know, there's some fights on this card. Uh, so, so he ham is on the card. I don't know. There's some other fights. So. Well, so <clears throat> for those of you that don't know, Shinya Aoki's grappling wizard yeah. pretty much submits everybody he fights. Yeah. Um, so you, do you think he's going to, you think he wins by submission? I guess would be my question. I don't think so. I think that his best years are behind him. Gotcha. I think that the dude is... And welterweight, too. That's yeah. what's so interesting to me yeah. about that. It yeah. seems like a 145-pound fighter, wouldn't he? No, he... Yeah, exactly. He was a lightweight fighter, lighter weight, you know, featherweight, right. around that. Um, yeah, always fighting, you know, smaller. He fought in the Dream mm-hmm. fucking Yeah, he was, he tournament. was real big in Dream. Yeah, 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 he fought in that Dream tournament with... Uh, you know, uh, all, all the rest of those dudes, Kid Yamamoto, Joe yep. Warren, yep. uh, the crusher, all those dudes were in that Alvarez. same, yeah. Alvarez, all those dudes were in that same, uh, Joachim Hansen, all those yeah. dudes were in that same, um, yeah, weight division. They did. They had yeah. a great lighter weight yeah. class. Division. No, exactly. And that tournament was fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, he fought in that, um, he fought in some pride fights, but he fought, you know, in a bunch of different stuff. Um, and so, yeah, so my guess is, like I said, uh, he's still fighting, he's still in there, but, um, it's probably just to give the rub to, uh, say get over here. Cause say get is, uh, 21 and two, whereas Shinya Yoki is 47 and 10. Mm-hmm. So that's my guess, you know, kind of give him a little bit of a name, a little bit of a rub. Um, plus they have their other card that's the night before. So, I mean, I think that it's just 
they just have a lot. You know what I'm saying? I think right. that if it wasn't this weekend, maybe it would be even a little bit different mm-hmm. of how the card was stacked up. But because they already have a card for the prime, you know, show, and now they got this card too, I think it's just well, and that and that just because of the platform it's being shown on, that one on Prime Four card is going to be there. Yeah. Their, their baby, right? That's yeah. going to be the one they're really promoting because that's such a big platform. I mean, if people watch Prime, you know, I, I watch Prime. I have Prime. No, exactly. <laughs> like, no, exactly. My Yeah, their viewership on Prime must dwarf um, their other viewership be because, you know, I don't even know, maybe like Fight, maybe that's where you would watch it. Right. I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't even know. Um, I will try to watch... Uh, this card, there is some interesting matchups on this card, and I really want to see that main event just because soccer kicks and needs the head to the mm-hmm. ground opponent are legal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember Shinya Yoki fighting Mahai Sakurai in yep. fucking Dream, and fucking Mahai fucking <laughs> need that dude into fucking oblivion. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I definitely don't want to miss that. Like, oh, so. You want to roll right on the ground? All right. Well, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck Mach was such a good fighter yeah. back in the day, dude. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so, um, you know, pretty good card. Also this weekend, uh, Glory Kickboxing has its 82nd card coming from Germany. So uh, that looks like the uh, main event of that card is Plazibat versus Cantinas. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I really don't know a lot of the fighters on this card. I would lie to you if I told you I did. But it looks like, you know, it's a Glory Kickboxing card. There's going to be uh, definitely a lot of scraps and throwdowns. So I mean, right? Don't so, sleep on it. <clears throat> no, they're all they're you know they're all technically skilled. They're all kickboxers. Glory is the premier international kickboxing league. Mm-hmm. So you know if you're not into grappling and you don't want to watch people wrestling around, hey, check out a glory card, man. Because yeah. they go they go balls to the wall, man. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you know we talked a little bit about last week about tournaments and stuff and I'd be goddamned if I didn't look up and find out that <laughs> Invicta FC has their 50th show and they're having a strawweight title tournament and the card is happening in Denver awesome. in Colorado awesome. so yeah so they're going to have four women strawweight fighters they're going to fight each other the winners of both of those matches will fight each other on the same night at the very end of the night in the main event. Just fucking amazing. Like hats off. that's huge. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, exactly. I mean, not only do you not see tournaments like this in the U S anymore, but this is also an all female fight promotion. I mean, fucking just, just super props to Invicta. I haven't watched Invicta in a while. I'm definitely not going to miss this one because no, I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it has everything going for it. Not only is it their 50th card, not only are they doing a fucking tournament, not only is it in Denver, it's just like, Jesus Christ. Like, M- Dude, mad props to the women for yeah. doing a same night tournament because, I mean, you get a lot of these <laughs> guys, they're fighting once a year and you've got four women ready to fight twice in a night. Exactly. You know? let's, exactly. Let's fucking get it on. Let's fucking go. So, yeah, so we've got those three cards. There's a lot more than that. Anthony Pettis has his fight promotion fine this weekend. There's a lot of fights going on this weekend, but let's get to the preview. All right. So the big card, the big kahuna this weekend is UFC fight night 215. <clears throat> and it is headlined by a couple of heavyweights. So yes. the big, the, the big 
Kahuna is appropriate there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Derek Lewis and Sergey Spivak are a couple of the biggest heavyweights that we've got. Exactly. So Exactly. Um, let's just get into it. Who do you favor? It, it's so tough to bet against Derek Lewis because he has that fight-ending power. Um, but I am putting my money on Spivak for this one. I think he has more ways to win. I think he's going to avoid that big punch. And, yeah, I, th- I think he's either getting a late TKO or submission or he's winning a decision. Yeah. I hate to have to agree with you, but I'm going to have to agree with you. For me, <clears throat> Sergey, um strength is in taking down and mauling mm-hmm. his opponents. Mm-hmm. Everybody who he's fought, that's how he's won. That's how he's imposed his will. He's number 12 in the division. Mm-hmm. By doing that, by taking him down, putting him against the fence, putting him on the ground, and just beating the shit out of him. Derek Lewis, stand up, knockout artist. A lot of love for Derek. You know, big fan. Yeah, me too. But, um, you know, especially as the years continue to go by, he already has the back problems. Um, He hasn't always, you know, he has good takedown defense. Definitely far from the best. I think that when you put strengths versus strengths, Sergey could get knocked the fuck out. He and, and absolutely it, could. Yeah, and if he does, I'll fucking be cheering my my head off. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I think that more than likely his strengths being younger, I think he's gonna find the takedown. I think as soon as he does, I think it's gonna be bad news for Derek, and I think that Sergey's gonna just go to town on exactly. him. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh co main. Um we got Ian Kudalaba. Yeah, they pronounce his name funny. The last time I was hearing it, Ewan Kudalaba. I yeah. mean, not that I would know, but no, um, yeah, no, Ewan Kudalaba versus Kennedy. In in Jackwoo, that's another one. That's another tough one. I don't know. <clears throat> I may not know how to pronounce this gentleman's name, but I do know him as a fighter. He is an awesome fighter to in watch. Zichiku. And there you go. And and I do think he's. I think he's going to knock Ewan out. I, I think he's going to put the big hurt on him. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. me too. Me too. Um. You know, Kudalaba uh, is definitely one of those fighters that leaves it all into the octagon, mm-hmm. um, willing to go out on the shield every time. That's why I'm a fan of his. Um, interesting that I didn't realize until right now, but both him and Sergey are both fighting for Moldova. Moldova. Yeah, and both the main event and co-main event. That so, is interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, but yeah, Kennedy is, uh, you know, a uh, power striker. Um power strike yeah um pretty technical and i just think that usually against those type of fights in kudalaba hasn't fared well for him right you know um even if he can get the takedown he doesn't end up usually controlling it and at some point he ends up taking the the nap on the yep agreed on the apron so um we also have another heavyweight fight chase sherman versus waldo acosta so what do you think about that I mean, Chase Sherman kind of fits the definition of journeyman at heavyweight, right? Um, you win some, you lose some. Doesn't really seem to possess the the necessary attributes that would make him a champion. I think a lot less is known about Waldo Cortez Acosta. And so I think by default, you know, I'm, I have this theory about the ascending fighter and the descending fighter. And mm-hmm. I think in this particular... Um, matchup. You've got Waldo as the ascending fighter and Chase as the descending fighter. So exactly. Um, yeah, I would pick Waldo to win on this one. No, me too. And it looks like the odds favorites also okay. have him. He's a minus one eighty. So Chase is a plus one fifty five. Gotcha. So yeah. Um, 
Speaking of weird odds, though, uh, the next fight, Andre Filio versus Muslim Salikov. Salikov. Um, It looks like they're both fucking favorites. You got Andre Filio, who's a negative 105, and Salikov, who's a negative 115. So, yeah, so I guess if yeah, you, yeah, you basically you don't win a lot of money either one that you you bet on. I mean, that's what they would call the the coin toss, right? Because mm-hmm. as far as the betting odds go, they think either one of them is going to win. I'm trying to recall why. I mean, I obviously know why. I know uh, Muslim Salikov's name. He's one of those Dagestani wrestlers. We know we know what they're mm-hmm. famous for. We know yeah. their game plan. They all yeah. kind of fight the same. Yeah. Why am I remembering Andre Filia? Like what? Why can't he was up until his, yeah up until his last fight. I think he lost his last fight, but up until then he was knocking people out. Okay, he was he had won at least two fights by knockout, he, and he was kind of a surging gotcha, welterweight gotcha. contender that was known for being very heavy handed. You're exactly right. Okay. And 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 okay. and up until his last fight, he was. Yep. But in his last fight, he couldn't pull that trigger and he ended up losing the fight. That's right. And so now that's right. it's a little bit more questionable. That's right. Okay, so that's that's why I remember it now because that was the Jake Matthews coming out party. Yep. Yep, that yep. was the one where <clears throat> as good as we had seen Filial look and we thought that he was going to like exactly like you said, be able to pull the trigger. That was Jake Matthews finally putting it all together yeah. and showing he can do it welterweight. Yep. yep. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Exactly. And who Jake Matthews has been looking really good. He really ever has. since that fight. Yep. I mean, he's had another fight and he looked really good in that mm-hmm. fight too. Um. Yeah. And then Danny Roberts is fighting on the card. Um. I mean, what do you as far as the prelims? Uh, is there any? Card? Is there any fight that really sticks out to you, or what? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Ricky Tercios. You know, I still watch a lot of the uh, Ultimate Fighter seasons, and and I really liked watching Ricky Tercios win that and come off the season. So, um, not saying that he's going to beat Kevin Natividad, uh, but I'll be rooting for him. I'll yeah. be rooting for Ricky. No, you're right. No, you're right. Um, I'm also a, a fan of Ricky um, from the Ultimate Fighter. Um, I think that the fight that I would like to profile, though, from the prelims is the women's Jennifer Maya versus Marina Moreau's fight. Gotcha. Um, I think that, you know, both women, um, you know, can win this fight. I think it's going to be a real game fight. Um, you know, Jennifer Maya is good at dictating the pace, taking the fight to where she wants to. And, um, you know, kind of putting her will on fighter. She's ranked number eight. But Moreau's is fucking submission alleyway. Just fucking, <laughs> you can't, I mean, you can't count her out. You know, she'll fucking sub you. She'll fucking take take your arm home. So so Maya's got the name. Maya's mm-hmm. been around yep. for a, a minute. She's had a good career. I think she was a, she was an Invicta champ at some point, right? Yep, yep. Um, so I do. I know less about Marina Moreau's. Uh, than I do Maya. Yeah. Uh, but you're thinking Moreau's gets it done. You think she's the ascending fighter and Jennifer would be the descending fighter in this yeah. situation? Yeah, I definitely do. Um, but the thing about it, okay, I definitely think that Moreau's is the ascending fighter. I think that Maya is probably the descending fighter. But, man, I'm kind of thinking Maya may pull this out. Okay. I think she may get a decision here. All right. I think that she, her, where she's strong is at not putting herself in a position to get submitted. Okay. So Moreau's definitely could, but 
she usually submits people who aren't as, you know, technically well at grappling as a Jennifer right, Maya, who's right. really good at wrestling, really good at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I think that she's going to be able to kind of prevent that from happening, and uh, she could win the decision here. So nice. That's that's what I think. Yeah, so we got a fight night for the UFC. Um, we also have a Bellator card. Bellator fucking Nemkov is putting his title on the line <clears throat> against Corey Anderson. I believe that this is the finals of the tournament that they had because both of these so. guys were in the tournament, mm-hmm. and I think that's where we're at now. Yeah. So, yeah, so we got the light heavyweight belt in Bellator is on the line. Uh, Patricky Pitbull, also the lightweight champion, his belt is on the line against... Uh, Usman Nurmagomedov. So, man, why did I think he was in the UFC for some reason? Is there another Nurmagomedov in the UFC? Yeah. Oh god, there's yeah. too many Nurmagomedovs. I uh, know. Yeah. So, so yeah. So he's fighting. Um, you know, for the title. Okay. We got Daniel Weishel is on the card. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, there's former champ. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, there's a there's a bunch of other fighters on on this Bellator card. That's a hell of a card. Yeah, but I'm definitely interested in. Um, you know the top three or four fights. So, what are you thinking? What do you think? Uh, what do you think about this <clears throat> Nemkov Anderson fight? Corey likes to go on social media and still proclaim to be the best uh, light heavyweight in, in the world, mm-hmm. and he has some decent name wins. He, <laughs> he does. Yeah. Um, but I like I like Nemkov in this fight. I, I don't think, you know, I I think he hits hard. I think he's great on the ground. Uh, I think he's the younger fighter. Yeah, I, I think he I think he wins this, and I think he wins it pretty easily. Now, now Corey could grind it out for sure. Corey's a great wrestler, and he certainly could. Um, but I, I I think the I think Ann's still in that. You know. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I think that I've counted Corey out before, especially in Bellator, and mm-hmm. he's fucking shocked the world. So I, as much as I want to fucking agree, part of me is like, hey, don't be fucking. <laughs> Gonna be eating shit later, but mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, uh, all things considered, Nemkov is one of the best in the world. Definitely one of the best in Bellator. Um, yeah, I think that as much as I've been a fan of Patricky getting the title and having both of the Pitbull brothers have the title, I don't think he's keeping it. Don't think that he's gonna be able really? to. Yeah, I think that Nurmagomedov is just gonna put his, you know. I mean, if it's anything like the other, I I, I could see that happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I've always liked Patricky. I think at one point he really had claim to being one of the top three hundred and forty five pounders in in the world. Um, yeah, I have to go with you on that one. Cool. Um, yeah, and so should be a good card. Also, we've got BKFC back at it. They're bringing the fire. Main event is Joey Beltron versus Houston Alexander. Cruiserweight fight. Um, I mean, what can you say about this fight card that you can't say about every other BKFC card? You know, it's got some name value, former uh, MMA fighters fighting each other in a kind of, you know, video game-esque style you know like just matching up you know whoever versus whoever this is one of those events i want to get tickets to i think <laughs> i think that would be real awesome to watch live i um, do too i do too but you're right yeah look at the name recognition you got on here i mean for those of you that don't know joey beltran former ufc heavyweight um i think alexander fought in the ufc at 205 
Um, both had some really good, exciting wins. I didn't know Alexander was still competing, honestly, until I saw this card. Yeah. Um, I knew I knew Joey Beltran was. He's a he's a warrior. Yeah. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm kind of surprised to see Alexander on there. But that sounds like a great matchup, man. I don't know who I want to go for in that one. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Um, I was also um, interest. I really was surprised to see Houston Alexander when he showed up and beat KFC. I was like, oh, okay, like, because... Like, where's he been? Dude? Yeah, yeah, and, you know, he was already older when he got to the he UFC. He was, yeah, yeah, that was the thing. So, yeah, exactly. So, like, and he came in, you know, at the very end and had the fight with uh, Keith Jardine mm-hmm. and had some other good fights and stuff, you know, Kimbo Slice and whatever, um, but definitely more of a name <laughs> than a real contender, and uh, then he showed up in BKFC, and now he's 2-0. and some knockouts and stuff. So I'm glad you brought up that Keith Jardine fight because that was one of those knockouts where, like, for a second there, I thought Jardine was dead. Yeah, dude, it was. <laughs> he just felt so bad. And that was one of those ones where like, it was oh, going back yeah. and forth. Like Jardine almost mm-hmm. had him, yeah. and then he fucking got Jardine. I mean, that was mm-hmm. a crazy fight. So, so yeah. So I'll be interested to see this. There's uh, quite a few other fights on the card. Not really sure uh, about the rest of the fighters. May have seen them. May not have seen them. Personally, but uh, I'm gonna be watching the whole thing. So yeah, check out those bare knuckle fighting cards, man. They're action packed. Uh, they're, they're it's a good time. It is. Yep. It is. And for those of you that are you know fans of mixed martial arts and hear a lot about um, hear a lot about the glory years and you know kind of the back in the day what it was like fight promotions and all that. If you want a better glimpse into that world of what it was like, watch the BKFC cards. It's not bare knuckle. I mean, well, there was some bare knuckle, but mm-hmm. it's not It's not the mechanics of the fight. It's the promotion. It's kind of how everything kind of works itself out organically. It's how, you know, promotions are kind of throwing everything at the wall to try to get certain stuff to sticks. Right. What ends up coming out, what doesn't. A lot of that kind of feel, the overall feel of it, feels like the old fight promotions. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love it too. Uh, much less that it's action packed and all the rest of that, which is, you know, it's own sport and a lot of skill and all that. I'm totally a fan, but another thing that's, it's always like some, what of a, some level of a nostalgia trip with it whenever I'm watching <laughs> these shows. Cause I'm just like, God, it reminds me of like the old UFC, you know? So, right. Yeah. It does kind of have that, that sheen on the production value I've noticed. But. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I wouldn't say there's any lack for skill when I watch some of these fights. That last, that one we watched on my previous episode, that was, that was a, a clinic, man. That, that kid was putting on. I can't recall his name off the top of my head, but I think it was their lightweight championship. Yeah. But that was such a great fight. No, exactly. Um, and that's the thing about it is that like BKFC, bare knuckle fighting. Um, it's really easy to kind of overlook it and kind of simplify it just because they are bare knuckle. But I mean. They've brought in boxers mm-hmm. that can't hack it. They've yep. brought in mixed martial artists that can't hack it. Mm-hmm. Some of the mixed martial artists that do aren't necessarily the ones with the big names or the, that have done really well right. in the in the MMA. It's it's a whole different world. So that's another reason why I love it is because you can't pigeonhole it. You can't like you know put it into its own box. It's its own thing, and you got to let it be there and do its thing. And it's you know it's glorious. So, yeah. Yeah. So be a good card. And then we will end off with the always, always, uh, always giving up the goods, never disappointing. One on prime cards. We got one on prime four. 
Take it away. Will. I'm such a huge fan of these one on Prime cards. Um, and, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time because we have at great length talked about it before, but production is great. They put together great matchups. Um, I love the names on here. I love that you're going to get submission grappling matches. You're going to get kickboxing matches. You're going to get Muay Thai matches. You're going to get MMA matches. You're going to get a little bit of everything. Throw on. You've got Amazon Prime. Throw on one fighting championship on Prime. Check it out. You're going to get a little bit of everything. Um and if you haven't watched the other ones, watch those other ones, man. I don't <laughs> yeah. know what you're doing. Like, if, you, if you're listening to this and you haven't watched the one on Prime Cards yet, like, you got to. Get the you fuck got out to. of here, They're dude. so good, man. They're so good. You, you get some nasty knockouts. Um, yeah, um, so the welterweight Muay Thai fight, Cosmo Alexander. I know we're both excited about that. Very much. That's where, very I, that's much. where I wanted to start because... Um, again, versus it, Cervantes, Juan Cervantes. Yeah, I mean that's going to be a great fight. I love that it's just the Muay Thai rule set. I love that. Um, yeah, I, we, we've seen Cosmo fight. I've seen him. I've only seen a couple of his fights, but yeah. For those of you that don't know, he's the reason why Sage Northcutt doesn't fight anymore. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> exactly. Right. I still can't believe they fucking matched him up right away. That was a fucking. That's cur- that was a, a career ending. killer. That's yeah. <laughs> that dude is a straight killer. Yeah. 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 So uh, and then Bibiano Fernandez also fighting on the card. Uh, Bibiano, fucking underrated legend. Mm-hmm. Fucking for a long time was probably, you know, the top featherweight in the world for a long period yeah. when the UFC didn't have a featherweight division yep. and all the rest. Of that fuck, dude. Bibi Bibiano Fernandez was in that fucking dream shit. Yeah, he was on that's that. That's what I'm dude. saying. This guy's been around for a minute. That's dude. what I'm saying. Like yeah. fucking yeah. So he's on the fucking card. Um, much props to him. Um, but I'm not gonna, you know, why don't you talk about your boy? Okay. I know you want to talk about him. So. I, so I really want to talk about Rod Tang, Jit Wan Yang. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit late to the, all right, now let's talk about the Italian. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get to the Italian, man. Come on. Um, yeah. So I've, I've been a little late to the, the party with a lot of these, um, glory kickboxing and a lot of these Muay Thai organizations, um, just because I was watching MMA, right? Right, right. Um, but as I've come around to it, these these athletes, they are incredibly skilled in their craft. They are absolute head-hunting knockout artists. Yep. And, and Rod Tang, is, he's the best of the best. This is a guy who has like over 300 Muay Thai fights. Jesus He's got Christ. like a 270 and 40 record. <laughs> like the records these guys put up are just ridiculous. Mm. Um, but yeah, this guy's, this, this guy's a killer. Um he is fighting an Italian, and I fully expect this Italian to, to put up a good fight and be a good sport, but uh, I'm willing to bet he ends up knocked the fuck out on his back. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no offense to the Italians. I'm no, saying. no, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Rod Tang is fucking, nah, he's he's a force you have to deal with, you know? So, And I don't know much about my brother and fucking uh, Joseph, <laughs> Lizaridi, I don't know, but Lizarari, yeah. but uh, yeah. but yeah, I don't know much about him, but uh, I'm fucking pulling for you, dude. So I'm fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you don't fucking end up decapitated. Oh, uh, one also has their uh, welterweight championship on the line. Uh, Abasov versus Lee. What, what do you think about uh, that? You know, I don't know a whole lot about um, Kiamrian Abasov. Uh, he's obviously the champion. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure what he had to do to get there. I've seen a couple of Christian Lee fights, 
But I, I mean, I, I feel like I have to assume if Abasov is the champ, he's already beaten better competition than Lee. And I could be totally wrong about that. So what I just realized is Abasov is their middleweight champion. Oh, so he's dropping down. And Lee weight. is the welterweight champion. Gotcha. So it, gotcha. this is like... Not really, but sort of like God, this one. Is what they did I, in know, that last I know, I know, I know. Figure out I know, I know, I know, and that's why because I was looking at it and I'm like, wait a minute here, and I'm like, oh yeah, one's kind of sneaky like that. So they are. Uh, yeah, so that's what we we've got a champion versus champion, the middleweight champion versus the welterweight champion. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's what I'm saying. See, this is why one always fucking pays off. Like it always pays off. They're like, you don't know our champions. Well, guess what? Now you're gonna fucking know our Check champions. This out. Okay, here's some interesting information. May seventeenth, twenty nineteen, Christian Lee defeated Shinya Aoki to win the one lightweight world championship. Oh shit. So are are both of these are they just meeting in the middle? What is going on here? I don't know. No, because one lightweight championship is 170 pounds. That's why. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. That makes that makes a so little more sense. So that was what it was, and gotcha. then as they've transitioned into this more global platform, they've taken the welterweight division. Gotcha. They've that taken the middle. That makes sense. Okay. That makes sense too. Clear up a little bit of that confusion. Then all right. Well, this is going to be a much better fight than I thought. But then. no. But I really appreciate you doing that because even as big of combat sports fans as we are, even as big of one fans uh-huh. as we are. We still can't keep this fucking shit straight. But you know what? It doesn't even fucking matter. It doesn't. It really doesn't. It doesn't, doesn't matter. It's like, I know it's going to fucking pay off. Just let me know when the fucking date is, and I'm going to watch it. All right? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so speaking of which, that one prime card, is that... Oh, that's Friday. Yep. Okay. So Friday. you don't even have to wait till Saturday to watch that. Nope. It's going to be Friday. Friday, one on prime. Fucking watch it. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Fucking... We've got a whole bunch of other fights this weekend. DVR that shit, stream that shit, fucking wherever you get it, fights on demand, that's where I get it. Gotta get your shit. So, uh, and then we will be back next week to talk about all this and more. Yeah, we'll have a bunch more to talk about, you yep. know, as we always do. You know it. Yep. So that's it. We're gonna end this show with uh, thank you for listening. As always, Scrapcast episode four. Rest in peace, Rumble Johnson. has been Snapcast.